Alrighty, welcome all. This is episode 95 of the Herpeticulture Podcast. I'm Justin Smith of Palmetto Coast Exotics and Herpeticulture Magazine and Snakes and Stogies and all that good stuff. Uh, Tonight was going to be our one-on-one where just me and Jake. Jake couldn't be here, kind of short notice, so I have Eric Burke filling in. Um, Just... Again, a quick shout-out to our sponsors, Steve Snakeshuary and his Venom Hot Sauce and MP Cages and Exotics. If you go and buy the Venom Sauce from Steve Kennedy, uh, your money helps go towards his Snakeshuary, and he also does a lot of educational programs and talks and spreads the good word about uh, snakes and why they are important to the people that think they aren't. <coughs> and uh, he does snake removal and stuff, too, so... By supporting him and his buying some hot sauce, you're helping him out. And MP Cages and Exotics, uh, awesome racks, awesome cages. I have an arboreal rack with condors in it, and I love it. It's perfect. It's been working great. And uh, he's the man to hit up, Sean, at MP Cages and Exotics. Uh, so we will get into the show now. Enjoy. This is Jacob Ross with JLB Morelia. This is Justin Smith of Palmetto Coast Exotics. And you're listening to the Herpeticulture Podcast. Enjoy. And, and let her fly. And we're going. But this is episode 95 of the Herpeticulture Podcast, which is part of the Herpeticulture Network. THP, Snakes and Stogies, the Condro cast, the once in a blue moon, it happens now. <laughs> All can be found in one place. Uh, I'm. This was originally going to be our monthly one-on-one, where me and Jake kind of do our thing. Um, as I said in the intro role, that uh, Jake could not be here, short notice. So, the podfather, Eric Burke, <laughs> filled in, short notice. What's up, yes. buddy? What's going on? <laughs> Nothing. Just got home from work, ate something real quick. Now I'm about to light up this here cigar. There you go. What are you smoking? This is, I think Espinosa makes it. It's the Hush Money. It's one of like their their sort of unbanded, I think cheaper sticks, but they're they're really freaking good. Yeah. Cool. Cool, cool, cool. It's the yeah, nice it's, thing about uh, recording in the garage is I can smoke. <laughs> yeah, I'm not so lucky. Because <laughs> I'm in the dude, it's, downstairs. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's brutal in here, though, in the summer. We got this fan on, and then we have to battle with the fan in the background. And, you know, the garage door's open, so you can hear the freaking bugs and anything else going on outside. And <clears throat> Gives it that nature effect, you know? Yeah, it makes people <laughs> think we're, like, camping or something. <laughs> yeah. The nighttime sounds. Mm. Yes. But uh what's what's new and exciting? Uh I'm days away from taking a trip to see Rob. Uh yeah. I've never been out that way. And then uh we're gonna drive down to West Texas and her so That's not terribly far from him, in, right? Yeah, it's a 13-hour drive, but um, we're going to stop in some spots in New Mexico and then head over into West Texas. So, 
Awesome. I'm jealous. Yeah. Supposedly, well, I, yeah, it's uh, we couldn't make Australia happen, obviously, mm-hmm. so we had to improvise. Because <laughs> I don't know, I don't know about you, man, but I, I need that fix. You know, I got to get out there and rejuvenate I just, myself. Yeah, I don't do enough you know? traveling, man. I've been to the Bahamas, and that's it. I was telling Rob, I was like, I'm so, I'm so jealous that you, you know y'all are doing that because that's like West Texas is number one on my list of places I want to go and hurt. <clears throat> yeah. I, I've, uh, I've heard some good things, so I'm pretty excited. Alternative would be cool. Aatrox would be cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and then um, listening to Trump hours episode that y'all just did recently only made it worse. I was like, God, I gotta, gotta make it happen. <laughs> and so me and Billy Man. and Chris Painshab and, uh, I think Phil, we're all talking about yeah. making a trip out there sometime next year because Chris lives in Corpus, so he's about eight hours away, I think he said, from sort of the the prime okay. prime turf. Yeah. So yeah. we need to make that happen. <clears throat> yeah, it would be cool to see. Uh, I know I was talking to Nipper the other day, and, you know, um, we were talking about herping and stuff, and he was kind of saying how he's like, what are you hoping to find? And I was like, man, it would be cool to find an Alterna. And he's like, man, that's a shit snake. <laughs> like, wait, what? <laughs> From the same guy that wants like your basic corn snake. He's like dying to see a corn snake. Yeah, I know. He wants to see DK snakes in my backyard. I'm like, <laughs> yeah. yeah, man, it's, <laughs> it's yeah. I had someone, DKs and garters. Yeah, I had someone send me a picture of one of those yesterday. They're like, I found this in my yard. What is it? And I was like, it's a little... I mean, now down here, they're not decay snakes. I think they're red. It's the same genus, different species, but they're the red-bellied snakes. And, right, uh, right, right. They were like, oh, because they just got a bearded dragon. And they were like, oh, can we put it in with the bearded dragon? Like, can we keep it? I was like, no. <laughs> it's like, they don't make good pets. Like, I mean, I think you can get them eaten on earthworms, but I wasn't about to tell them that. And then them keep it and it die. Right, and, right. Uh, I was just like, just let it go. Just, just remove yeah. it. <clears throat> yeah, they're those kind of snakes. Like, uh, for a while, I was thinking, like, man, it would be cool to keep something that was local or native or whatever. But I don't know. I enjoy just going out in my yard and seeing them in the wild. Yeah, they're everywhere down here. Yeah. They are not hard yeah. to find. <clears throat> yeah. But Ryan Cox had yeah. one for a little while, and I think he was feeding his earthworms and some other stuff. And I think it, it ate a few times, and then after a while, I think it stopped. And so he ended up just letting it go. But Yeah. Those are, they're just cool little snakes. We have a couple. We have a lot of like those weird species that are like no one does anything with because they're kind of specialized eaters and stuff, and they're small right. and they're just kind of a pain. But no one really. A lot of people forget about them. Like we have the crown snakes. Uh, oh yeah, yeah, they're which cool. I haven't seen in a very long time. I never find ring necks. Apparently, everyone finds ring necks except me. <laughs> <clears throat> uh, those are neat. You're in South Carolina, right? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. In the very bottom corner on the coast, like almost on the Georgia border, like okay. the very bottom little tip. Yeah, we were going back and forth between, uh, uh, you know, going on the East Coast and like maybe tri- a trip down to various spots mm-hmm. uh, throughout the week, or heading out west. And I was like, well. What? we've never been out west, and I've never seen Rob's stuff in his collection, and been on his side, so. That'll be cool, yeah. Yeah, so. yeah. He, he and I were talking about it a little bit, man. That's that's awesome. I mean, Rob's just like like you, you know. Rob's someone I have incredible amounts of respect for, and someone I look up to. And uh, oh, I mean, yeah, it's Rob, just every man. time you, it, it, it's 
the amount of stuff he's kept is just unbelievable. Just, <laughs> you ask him about something, oh yeah, I had that. Like, Jesus Christ, dude. I remember talking to people at Tinley about that. I'm like, I'm like, you just don't understand, man. Like, you can just pick a species and say it, and Rob will know about yeah. it. <laughs> you know, he'll be able to tell you some kind of story, something, somebody had it, somebody that bred it, or whatever. But, mm-hmm. and I mean, yeah. with someone like Trumbauer, where they've been in the hobby for a long time, like I just kind of expected. Like, yeah, you know, I'm sure yeah. he went through plenty of phases, but Rob isn't that old. No. And for him He's to, younger to me. Yeah, and for yeah. him to know all the stuff he does and have kept all the stuff he does and to do all the things he's done, it's like, man, you like but did you start taking care of freaking rhino rats and Jamaican boas at the age of like four? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. It's crazy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I love it. Yeah, I swear he like uh I said, Do you ever sleep, man? You must like, <laughs> you know, go up into a room and just like study for hours and read and you know <laughs> like how do you know this shit? He's probably a yeah. robot, he just plugs in via USB to his computer. Yeah. And he puts himself yeah. on like sleep mode or something <laughs> and his eyes just start going crazy in his head at night and that's yeah. him getting all the information. Uh, <clears throat> so Yeah, he just had um he just his Puerto Rican bow is just laid. Yeah, 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 I saw that. Uh Gave birth, used to say, and laid. So that should be cool to see. That. Yeah, I remember one of the comments was like, "Have fun dealing with lizards." <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yeah. He he doesn't take too hard to that. Owen, on the other hand, he didn't take too well to that. Yeah. <laughs> you know, Rob, he'll he'll feed the lizard. He has no problem. Well, I think. Owen... Yeah, if you've dealt with enough species that are that much of a pain, you know, it's kind of like whatever. You know, you deal with the Boyga, you deal with Chondros, you deal with, you know, the other stuff. It's like, whatever. You know, been down this road. But if it's one of those things where you're so used to, if you're like Jake and you're so used to things just taking their first meal, no problem, and then bragging about it, (laughs) uh, it's a little different. A little more of a headache. Yeah, Yeah, no doubt. You know, it's like you you had sent uh, something about, um, you know, we were talking about credibility in the hobby. And, like, you know, I know... know, uh, Someone like Rob is is an example of like he he's kept a lot, mm-hmm. but he hasn't like it's not like he bred Boland's pythons or anything like that. You right. know? I mean he's bred some cool stuff. Don't get me wrong. I'm not trying to take that away from him, but like you know, to me, he's just like one of those guys that just adds such a value to the hobby mm-hmm. that you know I don't care if he ever breeds again. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> it doesn't matter to me. Um, but. Uh, yeah, it's it's weird how we judge that, you know? It is, and I mean, that's that's kind of the main thing I really want to talk about tonight because I was listening to the latest episode of NPR with Carlos uh, Oliveira. Yeah. And you had brought up very briefly about how, um, like, for whatever reason, in the current state of the, of the hobby and the industry is, like, if you haven't bred, you don't really have a whole lot of credibility. And that really got me thinking because I'm kind of torn. Um you know, coming from sort of the chondro corner of things, <clears throat> we see people that quote unquote have like bought their way in, in a sense where you know they start out with crazy expensive animals, uh, right? You know, they they didn't really go through the growing pains, I guess is what I'd call them, that a lot of us have, <clears throat> um, mm-hmm. and they just kind of it's not really cheating, I guess, but it is sort of taking the fast road to success, and you know, to me. I'm going to value the opinion of someone who's lost clutches than the guy yeah. that's had one good clutch that hatched no problem. 
Yeah. You know, in um well, it's it's not out yet, but it's 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 uh <laughs> Because I wanted to be uh, be something, it's going to be different. It's it's been quite an undertaking. But in Student of the Serpent, the first episode, uh, very you know, Justin about that. sort of <laughs> Justin sort of talks about um, people not taking chances anymore. Yeah. in the hobby, you know, like experimenting a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh, something that comes to mind is when Owen had his uh, incubator unplugged and still hatched out a carpet. Clutch, clutch of carpet <laughs> eggs like you know it's just like i'm not saying that you know unplug your incubator and see what happens but you know there's a certain there's a certain level of uh if you want to push the the boundaries you're gonna have to sort of test some theories and and see what happens you know that's the only way you learn and uh and i mean that's the only way the hobbies has progressed is either from intentional or unintentional accidents yeah yeah yeah. Well, whoa, shit, that worked. Well, I'll try that again. You know, it's uh, it's like one of those things. So, you know, I don't know. Um, I don't know. You know, like I guess maternal incubation is an example of that. You yeah. know, that's that's kind of the easiest way to go. You know, everybody's so afraid to do it. And I'm like, man, just just try it. Yeah. <laughs> just, See, just I mean, what's gonna happen? You lose the clutch. Okay. Yeah. Try again. And I was I was going to with that first Condor clutch. I, I feel really dumb because I was talking so much shit for the longest time about, yeah, man, I'm gonna try <laughs> maternal first Condor clutch, no problem. I'm gonna do it. It'll be fine. I was like, if anybody's in a position to do it, it's me. Like, my adults aren't anything super high end, super fancy. You know, not that they're replaceable or anything like that, but. Right. <clears throat> you know, I wasn't trying it with a $5,000 designer animal. Right. And uh, then, like, literally, I looked and saw the eggs, and I was like, yeah, those are going in the incubator. Never mind. <laughs> I totally right. bitched out last minute. But, you know, it was weird. I, I, like, psyched myself into that, like, the first, my <laughs> very first clutch. I said, no way. I'm doing it maternal incubation. Mm-hmm. It's just, I have to do it. It's just, I have to just jump in the water, jump in the deep end, and, and make it happen, so. Well, the problem was is I I took the the bucket off of the female, and mm-hmm. she looked really thin when she was wrapped around the eggs. And then when I finally took uh, the eggs yeah. out and she kind of stretched out, I was like, you look fine. I was like, son <laughs> of a bitch. I was like, she totally could have handled that, no problem. And right. uh, I mean, I guess it probably works out better that way because my plan now is, like, I'll do it, but I don't want it to be my only breedable female. Yeah. Which right now that female Chondro is. Like, she's the only one I've got that that's even of size and age to do anything. Gotcha. So I was like, it would be kind of stupid to to do that and then lose her. And then it's like, I don't, you know, I just have a bunch of males that are ready to go and I'm not going to have another female for another three or four years. Right. So right. it just, it seems smart, but. I, yeah. I you know, uh, you know, I, if, I guess my advice would be if you're, if you're going to do it, I, I think it probably, you know, I've never, I've never done it with um, green trees, but I would say try it with carpets. You know, if you're going to do it, when you get those IJs up to size mm-hmm. and breed them or whatever, just give it a shot, man. You'll be you'll be fine. Well, Jake had the same thing. He was like, yeah, I think I'm going to let this female do it. And then she laid and he was like, yeah, no, I put him in the incubator. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I know. I get it, man. It's nerve wracking. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it's I just have a different perspective because I made myself do it on mm-hmm. my first clutch. So that's how I know, you know, to me, that's more comfortable, you know. Yeah, and it was it wasn't like I wasn't scared about losing the eggs. I was like I was scared about the female. Mm-hmm. You know, I was like the eggs. Yeah, if anything happened, yeah, like absolutely. I could totally screw these up in the incubator for all I know. But I was like the female. I don't want. I don't want to 
mess her up because I decided that I wanted to put her through that. You know, the thing I would, that I would recommend to people, and I haven't said this, but I, I just kind of took it for granted that people would, would know this, but like, you really have to go into that breeding season knowing that you're going to maternally incubate eggs. So, because you can give that female, you know, an extra bump up yeah. of food because they, they just, I mean, if you like the, what was it? Two years ago, 2019. Yeah. 29 or one year ago, 2019, I did a clutch and man, that female, I, I get you, man. It's, it's like, she's coming off those eggs. You're like, Whoa. Yeah. And then, I mean, she bounced back in like less than a month. Yeah. She was, she was right back to like her normal, healthy looking sort of girth and everything. And I was like, damn it. Cause she's a I big mean, I BR. guess they're designed she, to do it. She it's totally could have you know, handled it. Yeah. 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 And then, you know, I talked to guys like Tim Morris who were like, yeah, I preferred maternal over artificial, you know, most of the time. And he's like, I don't know yeah, why everyone's too. so scared to do it. He's like, it's, it's really not that, that big of a deal. Like, I mean, you're right. They are designed to do this. Like this is what they are ingrained and sort of programmed naturally to do. Yeah. A couple things that I've learned is um, over the years, like um, if you're keeping them in a tub, <clears throat> mm -hmm. any kind of tub or anything like that, I just put, you know, sphagnum moss across the whole bottom so she can pick where she wants to go. Um, uh, another, Like I said, the feeding part of it is, is kind of important so that, you know, she has that little bit of uh, extra to get her through. Mm -hmm. um, and then making sure I, I wouldn't really focus on the humidity in the – in the actual cage as much as I just did in the room. And when I didn't focus on it on the room, I sort of had some, some issues. Um, so mm. I don't know. That's just my experience. Um, well, when I know you were... some people spray, you know, yeah. I, I never got, cause you don't want to wet the eggs, but like I just would run a humidifier in the room because you know, you know, you're on the East coast that when, well, maybe not so much. I don't, I don't worry um, about humidity <laughs> down here at all. <laughs> yeah. 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 That's right. I, I forgot. Um, I mean, we have humidity, but in the winter it gets so cold, and mm -hmm. you got to turn on the heat, and it dries everything out. So yeah. you got to compensate for that. You know. Well, when you were you beefing your golden. female up, though, is it a matter of feeding her larger meals or feeding her smaller ones more frequently? Like, are you trying? I to, tend are you trying to, to get them on rats or something, like something with a higher fat content, something with a higher protein. Yeah, I go bigger, bigger meals. Okay. So, like right now, um, I'm feeding the females. I, I'm giving them large rats typically i go small to medium you know but mm -hmm. um with these girls i do uh and typically i would do once a month feed and this is for carpets but um <clears throat> i would uh i would bump it up to like every two weeks you know i got you um, yeah. hmm. so because i i had my chondros together for i think i started putting them together in june mm -hmm. and they i mean they were they were cuddled up pretty much every morning and uh, I never saw anything from it. And so I finally just split them up and I was like, I'll, you know, cut you guys way back on food, which I mean, I already only feed them maybe once a month. Sometimes I'll give the female two meals a month, but uh, right. cut them back and separate them. And then come November, like end of November, early December, I think I'll start giving them some, some more food, smaller ones more frequently gotcha. and uh, get them, get them back together and see if I can make something happen again. Now with the chondros, do you do you go do you try to do it seasonally or do you just try it whenever things look promising? Like if you see the male cruising around or the female uh, looks a certain way. Yeah, that's tough because I mean I I basically did the same thing I did the first time I got a clutch, 
Uh-huh. I paired them in June. Um, uh-huh. Saw a bunch of locks, but I didn't get eggs until I want to say I think it was December. And oh, wow. yeah, and so I like I I think you can breed them year round, but you're still sort of cycling them. Like my my thoughts on that have changed. Before I was like, yeah, you can probably breed conjures whenever you want. Right. Um, but after seeing that and then seeing this time when I'm putting them together and nothing's happening and then seeing that I'm probably on the same timeline as I was the first time where I can put them together early in the year if I want to, but nothing's probably going to happen until winter. Uh, right. I think that's like naturally, that's just kind of when it's going to happen. And I know a lot of guys, they don't even bother until it gets, you know, the cooler months show up. Right. So I just think I'm going to start rolling with that anyways. I mean, I'll have the, the rat snakes and stuff as spring breeders or whatever, and that'll keep me busy. But chondro wise, you know, I'll just wait until, till winter. Do you feel more comfortable with them now, now that you've had them for, for a while? Yeah, definitely. So some of the, uh, uh, I don't, I, I don't know, fear is the right word, but you know, you know, how people are at Par- least with me. Paranoia. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. They're just not as tough as carpets, in my experience. And like, I, I don't know. We just <laughs> me and the green trees just seem to not get along sometimes. Yeah, so. it's, it's weird. It's tough. Because uh, I mean, I think once they're established and once they're sort of in one place, I think. Like, they're rock solid. Yeah. Like those are probably some of the most trouble-free snakes I have. But the problem is, is when they go downhill, yeah, they yeah. go downhill quick yeah, and fast. I had that one girl, um, I don't know if you ever saw her, that Biok from Buddy Buscemi that uh, ended up going to Zach Baez. It's called Chiquita. She was, like, solid yellow except for, like, three green scales. Mm-hmm. And... Um, yeah, she was rock solid, man. She was I'd never had no problems with her. And I probably would still have her if, you know, if if I didn't trade her, but you know. No. And then after that, man, I just I, I had I don't know, I had imports, I had yeah, uh, like captive hatch stuff and like it just I don't know. I just I guess I couldn't just get it established. I mean they ate and then it just you would come down and they were just dead. <laughs> just like yeah. oh, man. And I mean, I've I've yeah. come to find too, and not just with chondros, but other stuff is like the if you're doing imports, the younger you get them, the better your chances are of of being problem free with them. Yeah, you yeah. know, because my female chondro, she was definitely an import, but she was imported when she was young, and then my male, he took he, I mean, his name is Problem Child for a reason. Like he he was <laughs> he was nothing but headaches for the first probably nine months that I had him, and I think it's because he was imported as an adult. And he just, like, oh. you know, I think they they hit a level of maturity and they just, they struggle to adapt as well as, as younger animals do. Yeah. Because I think yeah, it's the I'd same with the Ganyasoma and stuff. Like, the, the Jansen and I that I have, they're not uh-huh. adults. They're, they're probably sub-adults. And I think they were issue-free even before I got them. And they've been issue-free since I had them, which, granted, it's only been maybe a month. But um, they're younger animals, and so I think they adapt easier, you know, that's... I think it's the same with with pretty much anything. Um, I know, like with subox, you have better chances with younger animals than adult animals if you're getting wild caught. Which wild right. caught with those is is generally people are steered away from just because adults can be so difficult and don't acclimate well. Right. Um, but I mean, like scrubs, any of the the pop ones. Um, I just think if you're doing wild caught, they if you can get them as young as possible. You yeah, know, you're, you're better you're, off. Yeah, yeah, you're gonna be better sure. off. 
<clears throat> I struggle with that with Helma Harris. I think I've kept maybe eight Helma Harris over my time frame, and you know the the best ones that I've had have all been very very young. Mm-hmm. Um, you know. Well, from what I understand, I mean, listening to David Means talk about them because I know they did a post not that long ago of somebody who got one, and I guess they didn't realize kind of what they were what they had signed themselves up for. Um, that it's just, it's sort of, I guess the exception to everything is like, they're just, they, they struggle. Like yeah, people can't get them to breed, you know, minus whichever zoo that was that bred them within the last year or so, but they just, they don't adapt well. Yeah. I think, I think there's just a, you know, Lawrence over yeah. in Ireland, man, he, he, he's, he's going to breed them. No doubt. I have no doubt in my mind that it'll hit them, but like, Every once in a while, he'll send me pictures of his animals, and they're they they've adapted well. I think I think he had the right approach. He has like a huge cage with a lot of like cover in it, mm-hmm. so that they can sort of hide away and stuff. I, I think that's the key with them. They're very shy animals, and um, but once they're dialed in, man, they they like the flip switches on mm-hmm. them. <laughs> they turn into scrubs, you know. Yeah, and that's I mean it sucks because the the hounds are easily my favorite out of that whole group. I mean, they're just, oh, yeah, they're so yeah. cool looking. And, yeah. uh, I don't know. I mean, I, I've come to find that with those Ganyasoma. I've come to find it with my Boiga. Like, uh-huh. it's just one of those species where you set them up and you, you don't fuck with them. You just leave them alone. Yeah. You know, you don't pull them out and play with them, you know, every other no. day. <laughs> like, you literally, if you don't see them, you should be happy because that means that they're, they're probably content. Yes. Because anytime yeah. I do interact with them, it's clear they don't, they don't, it's, they're, they just want to get away. They don't like it. They're stressed. They're, you know, freaking out. And it's just some species just aren't meant to be on display all the time and yeah, out and about. Yeah. yeah and when you, you know, when I was first keeping them, I was just getting back into keeping again. And, and, you know, I, I had them in a tank. I wanted to see them. And, you know, but, but back then, the big thing was that it was weird. Like for some reason, Everybody thought that you had to keep them hotter than regular morale. Well, they were all morale at the time, but right. you know, um, everybody's was saying how hot it was on Halmahera, and you know um, that you had to keep them in like ninety, de- you know, ninety degrees ambient, mm-hmm. uh, you know, like hundred degree hot spot. That's, just like it's just craziness, that's you know. Yeah. And, and uh, you know, once you, it's weird, your your perception changes once you've been in that habitat. Like, when it's 100 degrees, I don't care what that weather app says, man. Mm-hmm. When it's 100 degrees, you're not finding pythons out, man. They're all hiding. You know? Well, there's also a difference. I mean, 100 degrees in Arizona is going to feel completely different than 100 degrees here. Oh, yeah. You know, you yeah. have that, that heat index and that humidity factor that's definitely going to change things a bit. Because dry heat at 100 degrees is vastly different from, you know, humid 100 degrees in terms of yeah. just how it feels and... Sure. The level of oxygen that gets to your brain. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I just, I don't, I don't know. I mean, the, the Ganyasoma, you know, I was, I was kind of worried about them getting into them and like, can I, you know, can I keep these things alive? Cause I know a lot of people, they're another species that has a habit of doing great and then you'll wake up in the morning and they're dead. Um, and that could be. Like I was saying, people buying older animals that don't don't get treated, and the stress combined with parasite loads, which I mean they're guaranteed to have, you know that takes them out of the picture. But they've been they've been nothing but 
problem free for me so far. They've been eating great. Um, they've been handling mite treatment no problem. You know, I only interact with them once a week when I treat the cage and everything like that. And I mean, they're they're definitely a handful, but they're not as difficult as I thought. And I think that's the case with a lot of species, though. You just just gotta leave them be. Yeah, yeah, you got yeah, absolutely. I heard you guys talking about that uh, mite treatment for. I use uh, the frontline stuff too mm -hmm. to treat the animals when they come in, all that kind of stuff. But I've never. Uh, it was interesting because I, I never heard anybody saying that they like spray the cage. And then I was I was listening to you guys talk about it, you're saying you're spraying the cage, and I was like, oh well, I guess the oils and stuff would get all over, you know, yeah, the yeah. enclosure, and, and it's they'll just... be rubbing up against it. Just making sure that it airs out enough, you know, because that stuff is yeah. potent. It's yeah, probably not something that the animal should be breathing in in any large quantities for an extended period of time. <laughs> yeah, it makes me sneeze like crazy, man. Yeah. <laughs> I have to wear a mask when I do it. Cause it, it like it stings. Just... If you get it on like a cut or something on your fingers, it burns. Yeah, yeah. That's that's probably what it feels like to be a mite. <laughs> melting. They're they're. Little exoskeletons off. Yeah. Burn, you little bastards. <laughs> <laughs> but as far as the like the temperature thing that you were talking about, I mean, I'm, I'm becoming more and more of the opinion that, I mean, it's not just chondros, but that book that Terry Phillip and Julander put out that talked about how we're keeping chondros too hot, I think that can be applied to a lot of stuff. Oh, yeah. 100%. I mean, I like you see the standards of care that you see on the internet ever after a certain period of time until things evolve again and like chondros you'll see, you know, a hot spot of 85 or 86 and ambient temperatures and I mean, I my my older animals and I think even my younger ones. Uh, right. I mean, that thermostat I keep below 85. And they oh, yeah. do fine. I think just you think about especially the nocturnal species like scrubs and chondros and the other stuff like they're not operating at the highest temperatures. Like, you no. see the daytime highs. They're not out and about then. They're in a, in a cooler area, probably shaded or something. Like oh, a, mic a microclimate. And so yeah. it's like, they're, why are we... If they're not out and about, like, we see studies that say, this is when we're finding them, this is what the temperatures are, this is what the, you know, the seasonal seasonality is, rainfall, whatnot. Uh, you know, like, the the 85 hotspot, it's like, I don't, I don't find it necessary. I mean, I've got... One of my sub-adult male Beox, I haven't had him on heat for two months. He's been at whatever the room's at. And, I mean, I keep my house at, like, 73. That room stays about 77 or so. Right. He's, he's been doing great. He's been doing fine. No I haven't issue. had a single issue. You keep you don't keep your bread lie with heat either, right? Nope. No. Yeah. Well, my male does now because I have a cage that I upgraded him to a bigger cage and that had heat with it. So I was like, sure. Oh, okay. But even then, I have it set to, I think, like 85. Like, it's right. it's set Barely low. But I just, I think that's yeah. the case with a lot of stuff. Like, they really, I true. I mean, obviously, there's going to be exceptions. You know, when you're getting into, sure. into sort of the desert dwellers, you're getting into, like, Euromastics and stuff like that. They do require triple digits. Um, but as far as, like, most snake species, I really, I don't. I personally don't think that they need to be kept above, you know, 86 as the hotspot if that's what you're going to do. But chondro specifically, I think they do fine in cooler temperatures. I can tell you all the times that we found pythons in Australia, the temperature was somewhere between 70 and 75. Yeah, I mean, that doesn't surprise me. Like, 
you know. That's, I think it's one of those things where if you're comfortable, they're comfortable. Yeah. Like yeah. if you're not too cold, there's a good chance that they're they're probably going to be fine too. If you're too hot, it's probably a good. Ch- I mean, unless it's a brettles, there's going to be exceptions to all of this. Uh, sure. Yeah. But but I mean, even with them, even with them, like um, you know, the Owen Pelly, like you know, where their habitat, right? Mm-hmm. Outside of the the caves, you're looking at God. It was like 110 degrees, mm-hmm. you know. And then you go inside. Some of the, I mean. I remember it was seven o'clock in the morning, and we went into uh, I think it was uh, was either Tully Gorge or Bar- no Barron's Gorge, mm-hmm. and it was seven o'clock in the morning, and the sun had just come up, and the like the rocks where you would get out, and you know you would typically see reptiles like basking and stuff. It's like a hundred and forty degrees. Jesus. At seven a.m. You know, and later that night, it was like seventy-seven degrees. Mm-hmm. That's <laughs> so, crazy. Yeah. I mean, I can, I'm at the point now, I, I I think that would be advice, like if you're trying to work with it, and obviously not everybody can do it, but if you're like really excited about whatever the species is, like, man, get to the environment. Because I can just reach into my carpet cages and feel if mm-hmm. it feels right. Yeah. You know? Um, and I've only learned that from, from, from the trips and stuff, but... Uh, but it's amazing, you know, there, you would go <clears throat> inside these caves where it's 140-degree basking spots on the outside. You go inside these caves that the pythons are hanging in during the day. I have temperatures of, like, you know, 78, mm-hmm. which is crazy that it's such a, such a swing in temperature. Yeah, you know? I mean, but, that's 70. I mean, I think 10 degrees is a, is a large gap. But mm-hmm. when you're looking at, like, 70, literally twice what it what it usually is at yeah. night that's that's unbelievable yeah but and, I, I definitely even, agree as far as getting out and like being like casey where if you're you're 100 all in you know on a species like definitely going and, and checking it out for yourself yeah i think that's probably why you're talking about uh casey cannon right? yeah, yeah that's why he understands bread line, like no you know what i mean he mm-hmm. he's he's been there he knows you know he's seen it in the wild and uh, he just knows that okay, I mean because you already sort of have your ideas in your head of of what these animals are doing in their environment, and then when you're there, and either you're, you know, proven right, or it makes you think in a different direction. Mm-hmm. You know, you're just going to be a better keeper all around. Well, it's also taking advantage of that time because I mean I know I know Casey took a ton of notes while he was there. You know, he mm-hmm. was temp gunning things. He was. He was taking all oh the data God. he could, and I'm like, that's exactly like it's not just going and seeing him, being like, wow, that was cool. I saw him in the wild. It's like, get all the information you can while you're there. Yeah, they were making fun of me because I had like, you know, I'm writing down in a book. I got temp gun. I'm temp gun and everything. I have like so many pictures on my phone of just like temp gun shots and stuff. <laughs> you know, uh, it's crazy. But, yeah, that's, but that's, yeah, man, that's you're that's, gonna go that's across the learn. world, get the most out of it. Hell yeah, you man. <laughs> come that far. Yeah, yeah. It's like going and looking at the gorillas and you know uh, Uganda and stuff. It's like, yeah, cool. There they are. <laughs> if, if I was someone that was into that kind of thing and like animal behavior, I'd be, I'd be taking notes like crazy. Yeah, pictures yeah. and video as much as I could. You know, I'm sure none. Yeah, of this I got. I have tons of video, ton, tons of stuff. Stuff I haven't even like. I haven't shared shared <laughs> with anybody, but. Just like, you know, it was weird. You know, you talk about heat. Here's one for you. You know how everybody talks about, um, you know, how monitor lizards love 
you know, that heat. Mm-hmm. Well, we found, uh, we found, uh, Rob's going to kill me because I can't, I, I want to say it was a, let's say it was a Goldie Eye, maybe. Um, I'm not, I'm not too big of a monitor guy. I mean, I love them, but I, I, I don't really know mm-hmm. uh, species and stuff. Anyway, it was hot. It was hot. And that thing was overheating. And like it, we had to, we had to leave it alone and let it get away. Cause it Jeez. just, it couldn't take any, any more of that heat. It was it, just it shutting just down. Over. Yeah. Yeah. It was, yeah. It, yeah, it was not good, you know? So they can't. Yeah. I think, I think heat's worse, man. I think oh, too hot is worse than too cold. Like when I'm shipping stuff too, mm-hmm. like I know Casey kind of, was disappointed in myself in in me for saying this but i i always thought that when i'm shipping personally i don't look at the daytime highs i look at the nighttime lows because when that oh, thing okay. is when that thing's traveling it's traveling overnight it's not traveling in the middle of the day right i mean middle of the day matters if you're if you have delays and stuff stuck on a truck right yeah <laughs> but you know like stuff like that like oh yeah if it's i'd put a heat peck in if it's going to be like cold cold but i mean if we're looking at like 60s 70s like i'm not worried about a heat pack no because yeah, heat's gonna kill him way faster than the cold will rob shipped bread lied to me in november i think it was maybe it was the end of october november no heat pack they were fine yeah i think i no shipped problem. some over the fall or winter at some point i shipped uh i had a het stone wash female and i didn't pack it with nothing that was one species where i'm like i'm not even gonna bother looking at the temperatures it's gonna be fine <laughs> Could yeah. ship that thing no to the surface happens, of the sun and it'd be okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they are tough snakes, man. Ooh. What do you think yeah, about? I hope to breed them this year. Hopefully, those in the inlands. That's the yeah, uh... yeah, man. I'm. I'm it's like, hard. To... I'm Go very ahead. disappointed that everyone wants rough scales and no one pays any attention to inlands, man. Yeah, man, it's such a bummer. I don't know. I don't. I don't. I. I don't know if it's. I don't know if the morph thing is the reason. I don't know if people just don't. You know. But you know. You know what. You know what's crazy. Mm-hmm. Ten years ago, that's what the people felt about IJs, and I. I think that that. Yeah. Is is changing. Yeah. You know, people are starting to take a second look. You know. Um, so maybe more people have to breed them to see more. You know. I can think of only the the only guy that I can think of that really has like done any kind of selective breeding with him is uh, Tim Tyndall. You know, mm-hmm. um, Justin breeds them, um, and it, I don't I don't even Nick breeds them too. But that's really it. <laughs> I just I was always surprised because I was everyone wants rough scales, and I mean they're awesome and everything like that, and we have more people breeding them now than we've we've ever had. Yeah, but still, sort of inlands can continue to sort of just be on the sidelines riding the pine and no one seems to like i don't see anybody post about them i see a couple of pictures on instagram every now and then but like literally it's almost like they're non-existent i think the the thing with the the, the posting pictures of them is it's just so hard to capture uh i think i've only captured it once you know my one male with the red tail is the only one that yeah. i was able to like capture a hundred percent what it looks like mm-hmm. you know because they they just look that they're like one of those snakes you know you don't get it you get them in your hands and you're like oh okay i get it <laughs> you know but and don't get me wrong i would love some rough scales but 
I just oh, I'd rather yeah. I'd rather have Inlands more. That's just one of those things. Where... Yeah, and they're super chill. I mean, yeah. you know, everybody says about carpets and you know they're bitey and this and that and all this stuff. Like, not them, man. They're not bitey at all. No. That should be a big plus. Yeah, you would think. I mean, to me, they're the perfect pet carpet. You know, mm-hmm. because you know, I need Brett Eli are pretty chill, yeah. but <laughs> but. <laughs> And maybe I just haven't run across them in Inlands yet, but, um, you know, it seems like, to me, Darwins are probably the worst as far as nippy. They mm-hmm. seem to be on edge probably because they're the most uh, close. But even I've noticed some of the new IJ, like the IJ I got from Riley, that thing is feisty as hell, you know? And, like, the adults are are super chill. Like yeah, the, one, the, the like little, little male I have from Riley, he can be kind of, Spazzy Fiery, at first, right? but once he's out, I mean, once he's out, he's fine. But yeah, yeah, he is a little little firecracker, man. When you're trying to get him out, but yeah, man, Inlands are just they're just they don't care, you know. And they have that bulletproof, uh, uh, you know, they're not they're definitely not difficult. They're they're definitely uh, easy to recover from keeper error, mm-hmm. you know, very quickly. So. Yeah, I mean, I've, I've said it for a while that, I mean, if anybody, people ask me what, like, my recommendation for a first pet snake is, I mean, I'd say male brettles all the way if they're willing to deal with, you know, when it gets bigger. Like, if they're okay with having a, a larger than average right snake, I think male brettles are a great option. Oh, hell yeah, yeah. Granted that it's not one of those five percenters that's absolutely psychotic. Right. Like Jake had. I have. I've only had two of them that were like that, and they they uh, like all of them. You know, I think with just all snakes in general, as long as you like are able to, you know, handle them. Uh, you know, when we were at Key Spot, I was watching Rob handle colubrids, mm-hmm. and it's so different than handling pythons. Yeah. And I'm so used to handling pythons that <laughs> I'm not used to handling colubrids, and you know, wow, man, it's crazy crazy how different they are but mm-hmm. like he he's got that feel and they're super chill you know if i picked it up it would just be biting the <laughs> shit out of me <laughs> you know uh, but i would expect nothing less from him though mm-hmm. i mean he's the he's the guy yeah absolutely but when's that when's that first episode coming out well um i was supposed to release it uh last weekend and um <laughs> Yeah, but well, I've been kind of busy at work too. But um, I, I I edited it for nine hours. I was editing. I remember it, hearing right? you say and, that. I was like, yeah. And uh, did you listen just to like, it back like twice? <laughs> well, it it's it's different. It's we've re- we've done it in a different way in that it's like talking to people about stuff and oh. then going and picking out parts. Okay. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? So you have to listen to every yeah. interview and then sort of like it's going to tell a story about, you know, whatever the species is. Um, that makes I me even more like excited the, about it. Yeah. I kind of, I, I wanted to do something different. I've kind of felt like the, uh, reptile podcast interview style has sort of been done to death, yeah. you know, yeah, <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, so I wanted to do something different and, uh, you know, you don't be a follower, you be a leader, you know, that kind of mindset. And, and you know, I was listening to uh, a different podcast and I was like, man, you know, that would be cool if that was done about snakes, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, like I would love that. So 
so I had it all done and then I scrapped it because I just was not happy with it. And um, I'm pretty, I, I had to get my workflow. I don't know about you. I'm sure you have a workflow of how you do these and edit it and mm -hmm. upload it and all that kind of stuff. Um, and this is so different than what I'm used to with NPR that I had to like develop that workflow. <laughs> so <laughs> re rewire it all. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I'm almost done. I don't think I'm going to have it done before I leave for Texas, but you never know. No. But definitely when I get back, it'll be done. Yeah, I'm looking um, forward to it. Hopefully it lives up to the hype, you know? <laughs> I mean, I've been talking about it like it's this thing, and hopefully uh, hopefully people dig it, you know? See, I like the idea though, that because, I mean, like everyone, everyone in sort of the podcast community sort of pushes each other. Like James and April, you know, saying the same thing like everyone does sort of the the interview thing right so we're gonna take it and come at it from like a different angle and the way they do it is really right. cool and like you know with yeah. what you're talking yeah. about what you're doing it's like sort of just the natural evolution of things and then i'm sure what you guys put out and what well, like the way you guys are doing it is you know that'll spark an idea in somebody else that's going to do something uh yeah that's the hope you know yeah yeah and then uh yeah we have that one and Owens and Riley have recorded uh, three episodes of Colubrid Corner. Like, yeah, I'm looking forward to that, too. Get... Yeah, that was pretty cool. The snakes that they picked, man, I'm not going to reveal it, but wow. <laughs> pretty neat, pretty neat stuff. I don't know. I, you know I'm, and I think that's the thing, man. You know, It's like you're going to learn about something that you didn't really know about. Mm -hmm. you know? So, And then the... A uh, little teaser that I'll say, but me and Nipper are working on a field herping uh, podcast, so that should be cool. Nice. I love that guy. I love talking <laughs> to him, man. He's a trip. He's become such mm -hmm. a good friend, especially me and Phil. You know, he's just he's one of the few guys I talk to on on damn near a daily basis. And yeah, uh, yeah. It's just we the the jabs we throw at each other all the time are just <laughs> it's great. If people saw our conversations, yeah. they would think there was something wrong with us. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, he he speaks highly of you guys, so yeah, that's that's cool. I keep trying to get him to send me some Boiga because he's got some stuff that that no one really keeps over here. I know we were talking about that. <laughs> and like, I was dude, like, just wait, put him wait, in a box and send them to me. Yeah. <laughs> he's like, like, dude, yeah. I'd send you everything I have if I could. He's like, I don't have. I'm like, I got we got Pete, we got Mike Arnold. We can figure it out. He's one of your people. <laughs> you he can help with the language barrier. Right. <laughs> Yeah, he's got some cool stuff. Yeah, for yeah, sure. He does. You know? He's got good tastes. Yeah. <laughs> and it sucks. He was you know, supposed he, he was supposed to come over here to the States before COVID happened. Yeah, we were supposed to go herping in Arizona. You know, it was oh, gonna be yeah. me, him, Rob, my old man. Uh, you know, because uh my my dad's big thing is he always wanted to go to Arizona, mm -hmm. you know, and he loves rattlesnakes and Gila monsters or, you know, that whole thing and that whole environment and um, sort of a bucket list for him, so I was like, "All right, let's 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 make this happen." And uh, you know, he's he's like old school. Well, he's he's as old as uh, what's his name, um, Craig. So I mean, he's that's how long he's been in herbs. Mm -hmm. But he's just like an under the your dad's in in breed snakes too, right? Right? He yeah, he bred gray bands for a season. He's getting getting out of them now. He got a promotion at work, so he hasn't had time for them. So I've been mm -hmm. selling them for him, and I. 
he had two racks of breeder mice that I took over that I'm I'm doing now for my own stuff just because it's it's literally cheaper than than buying in bulk. Um, and I get how's that act- working out? I get to actually control what goes into them, which I kind of like. Oh, that's cool. You know, most feeders and stuff like I don't question necessarily what right. what people feed them, but you don't really exactly know what they are feeding them. Yeah, you know, the website could say, "Yeah, we're feeding them premium," you know, rodent block when it's actually like old Roy dog food. Right. And, you know, I CNP and Cody's little operation as far as I won't even say little, it's actually pretty substantial and they put a ton of work into it, but they have their, their rodent barn. That's all rats. And they, uh, they get a rodent pellet. That's, that's actually really cheap compared to Missouri and some of the other brands. And, um, I managed to find a place about an hour South in Georgia that sells it because they have people, I guess, in their area that buy it too. So I can get a okay. hundred pounds of that stuff for like 35 bucks. Wow. So yeah, I've just, I mean, I'm just going to drive down there once every other month. Cause I mean, I've only got eight bins of mice. I'm not going to go through a hundred wow. pounds of food anytime soon. No. So I'll just make the trip. <laughs> I'll just make the trip down there periodically and load up, you know, it's just, now do you use it more for like when, when you're hatching out babies and you have like, you know, pinkies and hoppers and fuzzies and all that, or are you, like, using as adults as well to feed everything? Uh, I mean, I'm trying to, like, that's kind of the nice thing, too, is whatever size I need, I can either you have. wait for it <laughs> or I'll have it. Yeah. Um, I mean, currently the way things stand, like, with my collection is I don't have a whole lot of stuff that's even eating fuzzies and pinkies. Right. Um, so I have a grow-out bin that I, I want to get stuff to adults so I can start loading up on adult adult size stuff but uh kyle vargas who's we had him on the show not that long ago he talked about rock rattlesnakes and stuff Um, yeah Yeah. he varies up his feeder diet a lot with with all kinds of stuff and there's actually hopefully going to be an article on that in the next issue of the magazine um and now that i'm dealing with you know my own mice colonies and stuff i'm definitely picking his brain on what he does because he gives his I want to say he said he gives his like fruits and vegetables and he'll even throw in some like live crickets and they'll chase them down and eat them no shit yeah and like really like he'll give them nuts and seeds and stuff and i think he does that in addition to some some rodent pellet uh mm-hmm. you know we'll find out for sure when he we get this article done but um yeah i mean it's just i think that's something I've really been wanting to do an episode on and or an article on was just like feeder nutrition because I, f- I really think that, that solid snakes start with solid food. Yeah. You know, just like yeah. us. Like you can eat McDonald's yeah, sure. every day if you want. Probably not going to turn <laughs> yeah. out very well in the long run. But <laughs> same with those things. Like I don't, I don't want my mice eating dog food and stuff because it's made for dogs. Right. Yeah, it's it's interesting how the snake hobby is sort of um, sort of get nudged uh, forward, if you will, Mm -hmm. a little bit. You know, like uh, you know, people are talking about varying the diet. You know, uh, paying attention to what their feeders are getting. You know, there's Mm -hmm. just stuff. You know, UV and then you know all that kind of stuff. But um, I I think I think. I think ultimately it will be be good, you, you know. But uh, I firmly believe that we're in sort of the the early stages of like a complete renaissance. Yeah, of sorts. You know, I people agree. are 
it started with caging and stuff and and people trying to push for uh less of the sort of the the rack deals and stuff um, sure yeah and then you see people sort of going on the very diet thing and you know just the changing of the the species that are you know people starting i think i think are starting to branch out from ball pythons i think they're kind of i think a lot of people are kind of over the rat race um <sighs> Yeah, man, it's it's. I see. I, I don't know. I you know we were. I don't forget. I forget who we were talking about, but they were talking about carpet morphs and how they thought that. Um. I think it was when we were talking to Billy and Casey, and well, that audio just went mm-hmm. to shit. So like, we, the, we, there was no way to salvage uh, anything from it. But um, I can't. I think it. I don't know. It was. It might have been. Might have been Billy that was saying about you know the morphs and. Um, carpet morphs maybe becoming um taking carpets more mainstream and i was like man i just don't see that i I don't see an interest in carpet morphs like i did say five years ago Mm -hmm. and maybe that's just me you know my own personal bias you know but um i just i don't know i don't see that i get more people hit me up for ijs than carpet python morphs yeah and I remember being on King Snake when Star Python started showing up with their stuff. Yeah. And I remember seeing those ads and being like, "Oh, here we go. It's the beginning yep. and the end." It was like we're going down the the way of the of the royal. Yeah. And I mean, come to find out now, looking back, like I was completely wrong. I mean, yeah, they they took off and they definitely diversified as far as morphs and stuff popping up in the market, but it definitely didn't take off as much as I I thought it would. Yeah, I think it. Uh, I think it grabbed people's attention enough to sort of like where, you know, people now know what carpet pythons are. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, you know, when, in 2011 when we started NPR, it was you know, there were Morelia was just like, oh, you can't keep them, man. They need high humidity, mm-hmm. they bite all the time. You know, all, so many misconceptions. And uh, you know, now it's just like. People are like, oh, yeah, I see it all the time. Like, oh, I'm going to go get my second snake. I'm going to get a carpet python. And I'm just like, oh, okay. <laughs> and they, you know, just want a normal coastal mm-hmm. or, you know, whatever. But, but so. it is funny that you guys were talking about that with Carlos on that, that new episode and, you know, sort of the, the rise and fall of jungles in a sense and how, like, even coastals to a degree have kind of gone by the wayside and, you know, the, the morph thing and zebras and all that and is sort of taking the spot of of jungles in terms of uh like demand yeah i mean what else can you do with them i mean you can't make them and you can only make it so yellow (laughs) you can only make them so black i mean eventually you come to a point where you're like okay (laughs) now we're trying to make them white and black you know Mm -hmm. (laughs) i do love the ivory stuff though yeah yeah you know, the thing that shocks me is like, you know, this is sort of like, I, I guess I just come from that carpet python enthusiast mindset, right? Like, I, I when I was coming out, I would have killed somebody to get a gelatin jungle. And they are the coolest, man. They are so cool. And like nobody gives a shit. About, I, sh- I shouldn't say nobody gives a shit about them, but maybe it's the price tag. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I don't know what it is, but like, I just don't see the interest. Like I thought that it would be, I mean, that's like the Holy grail of jungle carpets. And I guess I was wrong. You know, I don't, I don't know. I'm just surprised that first of all, it's different. It's new blood. 
you know, it's a new bloodline that you could inject in to give some pizzazz into your jungles, you know, yeah. and, and they look different, you know, but mm-hmm. just I personal bias, I mean, I, I, mean <laughs> I, I do agree that, that IJs are on a very good trajectory mm-hmm. and that we really haven't, we've, we've only scratched the surface as far as what those like line breeding and stuff. Oh my God, Carlos's stuff that he just put. I mean, he's sending me pictures of his. Stuff. I'm like, what the hell, man? <laughs> <laughs> Holy shit! I mean, like, how do I get that here? <laughs> timeline wise, though, I mean, how long do you think it'll be before we start seeing that sort of the fruits of the of the line breeding labor? I think five years. Five years. Yeah. Hmm. I think. I kind of look at like who who are to kind of name people that are breeding them like you know you got Jake you got Billy you got uh, Steve Katz Riley mm-hmm. myself Carlos um, trying to think who else I'm probably leaving people out I'm sure I am Craig you know like Craig over I think he's in the UK yeah um, his stuff's just unbelievable his stuff is nuts God. you know um, and. It's just so much, and and the fact that you can get, I think I think that's the selling point with a lot of people. I think that separates them from other carpets mm-hmm. is that you you know, you know, you don't have to worry about some knucklehead coming along and saying, "Well, they're not pure, man." Yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah, the doors aren't closed like, on those. Yeah, there's still Bullshit. options. Yeah, <laughs> these came from Indonesia. Right. <laughs> yeah. Um. But uh, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I'm. I, I think five years. I think five years. You'll you'll see some uh, some pretty cool yeah. shit. Yeah. And you know that's something too that I was talking to David Brahms about yesterday or today. I think is like because I think I was telling him about that Bioc mail that I don't have heat on. I was like, you know, I'm really surprised, and I've been seeing it a lot more lately. That like the Asian, like the Montane Asian rats aren't more popular. The stuff that you literally need to keep cooler, like you don't have to. If anything, you want to keep it in like close to your AC vent because you want it cooler. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like stuff you could borderline keep in the fridge. I think. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe it's the diet of the of those things. I I don't know. I, I'm with you. I don't understand. I mean, as far as like a naturalistic type setup and stuff like that. I mean, mm-hmm. come on, man. That's like instead of a fish tank, you have that in your living room, like a showpiece or something like that. And yeah, I'm with you. I almost took uh, jumped into that a couple times, but Rob sort of like, not that he talked me out of it, but just like you know, it's like it's not going to work in your room, man. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I think Rob Zirkel posted a picture. I saw it yesterday. I don't know when he posted it, but it was of I think maybe some of his mandarin rats, and he had them on the very bottom shelf, and it was like sixty nine degrees. He's like, this is where they need to be. He's like they don't do yeah. well in hot rooms. Like if you if you're keeping these, you're planning to keep these in a warm room with your other stuff, you're in for for some heartbreak. Right. And I just think and that's I was another like, cool that's thing. So easy. Like that's why aren't these more popular? <laughs> Any of that stuff. Yeah. Right. Yeah, it's weird. I don't know. I, I you know, I, it's probably I think I think podcasts like reptile podcasts probably influence people more than we think. Mm-hmm. you know and like when we're talking about things and stuff because especially if you're talking about it and you're excited about it you know think about think about people that you've spoke with and interviewed you come off of that phone call and you're like 
God damn, I want to keep some of that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know? Yeah, the more then, I the more I, I see knobtails and stuff talking to Phil, the more I'm tempted to, oh, even though I've sworn, yeah, I've sworn off things with legs that aren't dart frogs. Me too. <laughs> but when I when we had him on the show a while back, it was like, oh man, I got off that call. I was like, damn. Yeah, <laughs> that would be so cool, you know. Yeah. Yeah. But I've I've had that happen with Bairds. I've had people message me, you know, that have been following the the PCE account on Instagram for a long time, and they're like, I got my hands on some Bairds. Yeah. And I'm like, sweet, that my job is done. Like, right. Yeah, like, yeah, that would be one that I associate with you. Like, you know, when they become like this popular rat snake, I'm going to be like, yep, that's Justin's baby. <laughs> like, you put them back on the mat. <laughs> like I said, I'm going to be the, the Casey Cannon of Bairds. <laughs> I could produce awesome condos awesome. and people would not even know it. But they'd be like, yeah, you're the Bairds guy, right? Nobody wants those fucking things. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's like if you think like when I was coming in the carpets, you know, you think of like a guy like Anthony Caponetto. Mm -hmm. He was known for crested geckos. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? I'm, you, I'm sure you know him from that or have heard of him from that. I remember but, from uh, carpets. I remember going on his website when he was when he was having the carpets. Yeah. And then I think yeah. when I checked his website at one point, I was like, where'd all the carpets go? Yeah. Like, he switched <laughs> to ball geckos. I was like, Jesus. Yeah, but he was he was doing um he was doing the crested geckos and carpet pythons and like he would say that the car the crested geckos are his main thing and the carpets are sort of like the side hustles you know this is something that he really's into, but this is what pays the bills. Yeah, and like he's known you know you would talk to different people and he they would be talking about oh yeah he's the crested gecko guy and I'm like no he's not <laughs> no, he's, he's the, the carpet what guy. What are you talking yeah. about bullwinkle? What do you smack you in the head? You know what do you think? <laughs> it's craziness. Um, but yeah, it's just weird how, yeah, you get known for whatever that is, whatever that species is, but you're the Baird's guy. So I'm okay with that. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's like half my collection <laughs> currently is just Baird's. So I'm okay with it. What is it about them? Like what, why, what is it about those? I'm still not sure. It's just something that they're, they're yeah, you man, know, I think I'm it's, with you. I get it. I guess it's sort of similar to like the Condro thing. Like you kind of don't know exactly how they're going to turn out. Like you can have an idea, but you're not going to know for sure. And that's, that's one of the things right. I love about condors the most is like, you can have a guy that's been in condors for 30 years. He's not going to uh -huh. know any more about how that thing's going to look in five years than someone who's been in it for a week. Right. Yeah. Like, no, there's no, there's no secret, you know, there's, it's not like balls where you can map it out on a punnet square and be like, cool, this is what I can expect. Like you don't know mm -hmm. what you're going to get. And that's, that's part of it that I like so much. Like the playing field's completely level. I mean, obviously, right. if you pair really nice snakes together, you're going to get really nice animals. But you can still pair two green snakes and get something just out of this world. And that's, I mean, that's been proven time and time again because we have some designer animals that started a line that came from snakes that you would look at those and be like, yeah, it's a green snake. Yeah. You know, you just, you don't know what's going on under the hood with those. Yeah. And I guess it's kind of similar with Baird's. Like, they go through a crazy change. Uh, I mean, they're super easy. They're They're pretty mellow for the most part. I've got a few that are kind of squirrely. Um, mm -hmm. they're not hard to breed, uh, and just, you know, seeing that change and watching them, that the patterns slowly fade and the, you know, the colors come in and that metallic look to them. Yeah. That's you know, cool. It's just, it's one of those species I just never understood why, why they weren't more popular. And I, there's, it was incredible how many people don't know that they even exist. 
honestly, I didn't really know until you started talking about it. I was like, what is he talking about? <laughs> and I went and looked it up, and I'm like, oh, okay, I get it. <laughs> yeah, and it's yeah. the thing that I that got me into him in the first place was this, there was a article in one of the magazines, I think it was Reptiles, like a million years ago. This was probably like early to mid-2000s, maybe. And they okay. had an article on like sort of the Loma Alta locality in particular, which are those really heavy like gunmetal, like literally they look like they're made of steel. Right. Uh, and I just remember seeing that as a kid and being like, man, that's cool. And it stuck with me forever. Right. And, you know, once I started, obviously when you get a job and you you don't have as many bills and stuff, you know, you can you can get that kind of thing. And <laughs> I, yeah. like, they're always at shows. I mean, there's usually at least one table that has at least one or two. And no right. one ever buys them. So, I mean, they're not expensive. Like, right. I know what they're going to be. But people just completely look over them because they think they're a gray rat snake or... You know, yeah, it's, I can find one of those in my backyard. And it's like, no, you don't know. You give it some time. That's cool. That's cool. And they're just yeah. stupid easy to keep. Yeah, and that's the you know that's the best selling point of all. You know, <laughs> I consider them like the the brettles of of rat snakes. You know, oh, you can really? keep okay. them. You can keep them warm. You can keep them cooler. They're going to be fine. They're going to eat every time. They're they're they don't really bite like i've never had one even when it was spazzing out and trying to get away from me i've never had one take a swing at me right they don't musk or anything like oh, that. oh they right? musk don't get me oh, wrong they, they, okay. they musk okay that's my morning <laughs> cologne at this point <laughs> Splash a little. that's right there we go um but i uh, when it comes to like overall collections and stuff like that i i i like having the stuff that's a that's a challenge. Like I, I like having the chondros and knowing that it's not going to be so easy that you can just get eggs, throw them in the incubator, cool, I'll come back in sixty days and I'll have babies. Right. But I also like having the projects that you can do that. You know, right. like the corns and the bears, where it's like, yeah, whatever. You know, sweet. I got some. Like I love them. It's just I like having the the simple, but also having sort of the challenge. Yeah. It's it's something, yeah, and you something have comforting. To have it sort of. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you sort of have to have it in the same wheelhouse too, you know. It's mm-hmm. like uh for a long time I'm trying to keep all these different species from different spots and it was like let me just settle in Australia because I'll be able to sort of keep it within this, you know, the within the same type of temperatures and right. all that kind of stuff. But yeah. That's why I didn't do good with uh short tails. Like I I just I don't know, man. I just, I couldn't dial them in. And I think it was because my room just fluctuated so much. Like they mm-hmm. seem to be like, they, they can't take like a big fluctuation, you know, they're like 78 to 82. You get it in there. It's probably a lot like chondros, you know? Yeah. You get them dialed in. They're great. Yeah. But you got to get them dialed in. I've had one or two over the years and I, I didn't really understand the enjoyment i had a small one at one point i didn't trust that thing for a damn second you'd right. open the tub and you'd see the little pupils just going crazy like a gaboon you're like this is it's like a jack-in-the-box yeah. you're just waiting for it to, to pop <laughs> yeah. out uh, i remember i was doing a, fo- a photo shoot for for matt and um he wanted me to take some pictures of his stuff and you know just dealing with morelia for so long you know when they're gonna strike right like, you know it's and i i know exactly what i'm looking for but with them, they sort of their eyes start to move, yep. <laughs> and I'm not paying attention to their eyes when I'm taking pictures and stuff. Like yeah. you know, not like watching them move and stuff. And then they would just, just like you're saying, man, just like a spring, like boom, mm-hmm. you know, just shoot straight out at you. 
they got that backbone that's super hard that yeah like if you get smacked with that oh my god <laughs> i think no. that's that's part of it is like you they just they hit so damn hard and you don't mm-hmm. know when it's going to happen so i was right. like this is not this is this is making me more anxious than anything else when yeah. i'm having to deal with it's these like, things do 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 Stuff. Yeah, I, that's. I mean, <clears throat> that is the nice thing about carpets and chondros is you can mm-hmm. expect that they're gonna think your food within the you know first five seconds of opening the drawer, and you're prepared for that. I'll tell you what was a super impressive snake when we were uh, when we had our like little uh, impromptu impromptu carpet fest uh, a couple over the couple the beginning of August. Mm-hmm. Um, we went up to Keith McPeak's spot, and uh, I was holding his Bowens python. Holy shit, man! Is that an impressive animal? Did you have like Holy the hell, biggest man. erection in history? Oh my! God. I probably would have. <laughs> then, like, like y'all just need to ignore this. Just yeah, yeah. Don't moment. pay attention. Yeah. Don't look at me. <laughs> look away, Owen. Avert <laughs> <laughs> <Over> your eyes. <laughs> oh my god! I have to send you a picture, man. Holy shit! Was this animal impressive? Like just like. The only word that comes to mind is just majestic. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, you have this like black iridescent snake that's just like flowing through your hands, like you know, it's climbing the, over your head. And oh my god, man, that, Isn't the, it? the size of its head was like the size of my hand. And oh man, it was just—it's oh, funny that like you you handle snakes like that, and it doesn't feel any different than any other snake that you've touched. But you're still like, I'm mm-hmm. touching a Boellens. Yeah. Because it was yeah. like that when I got those Jansen eye and I had to treat them for the first time and take them out. I was like, this is a dream species, A. And so I was like super pumped. And I was like, I actually, I got to touch it. Yeah. It feels no different than any other corn snake that I've had. But I was like, this right. is something magical about it. Yeah. And it was the same because when I was at P and Cody's before Daytona, uh, they were cleaning mambas and stuff. And one of the Jamesons had some stuck shed on his chin. So Cody grabbed it. And it was me and him and Gio, who was one of their interns at the time, uh, and so Cody had it, and he was like, here, hold the body. And Gio had the little tweezers to peel the, the stuff off, and I was like, dude, I'm touching a mamba. <laughs> it feels no different than any other snake, but still it was right, like, right. holy shit. Yeah. yeah. That's how, you know, when when uh, Gavin brought the Owen Pelly for us to hold, you know, when we were holding that, it was just like, holy shit, man. Like, I don't think anybody in America has ever <laughs> held this snake. I'm going to cry here we again. are, like... <laughs> Holy shit! Like, oh my god! But I don't know. Yeah, this is—it's probably more in our heads than uh, the actual snake. But I don't know. There's just something about certain ones when you. Yeah. You know. I mean, chondros. It's the same way for me. Anytime I handle any of my chondros, it's still like, man, these mm-hmm. things are cool. I mean, it's—I don't handle mine often, so when I do, it's like, this is why I like these things. Like, they're just—they're. I mean, I don't see how anybody can't like chondros just from an aesthetic, like. They're gorgeous snakes. Yeah, man, they're hard to beat. Anyone who's like, man, conjures <laughs> are ugly. just the like, green ones. You I must mean... be colorblind and or Stevie Wonder. Right. Yeah. I'll, I'll give it that. Hands that. I remember um, we were at Tinley and uh, the Condo Condro Coalition was there. Mm-hmm. It was, um, um, I think it was the last one that Rico did. But, man, the animals that they had on the table, holy shit. Yeah. <laughs> 
Yeah, as you can imagine. But oh my god, that was just like something I was thinking about on my way home from work. Was like you and Owen have been doing NPR for so long. Like, what's the the one episode that you guys have done over the years that's like was the most important to you? Who the most important? Um, that's like f- picking your favorite child, but yeah. <laughs> Um, probably now at the time, it probably wasn't the most important, but probably now, probably Rico would be one of them. Yeah. You know? Well, that's, yeah. that's kind of what I was thinking is like us as podcasters and with the magazine and stuff, like to me, I feel like getting the veterans of the hobby on and talking to them is, you know, obviously they're not going to be around forever. None of us are. Right. But having those sort of conversations that people can go back to and listen, you know, for people like me who didn't know Rico, right. Like I can go back and listen to GTP keeper radio and, uh, was it, uh, BT and the, uh, oh, reptile radio. Yeah. yeah. You know, yeah. that kind of stuff. I can go back and listen to it. And, you know, Justin Wilbanks, who was a really good friend of mine who passed away not that long ago. Like I had him on the mm-hmm. cast, And so it was just, I feel like that kind of stuff is really important because it's it's sort of a documentation of of legacy, I guess, in a sense. Yeah, I agree with you 100 percent. It's um, you know, we had uh, Stan Chiris on um, maybe last year it was and uh, I contacted him. And he's sort of for, for people that don't know, he's the guy that wrote the article in Reptiles Magazine about diamond pythons and how he kept them in his garage. And he was like one of the first people to breed them in the U.S. and all Mm -hmm. that kind of stuff. And um, I contacted him and I was like, hey, man, it would be awesome if you would, you know, come on the show. We do a show about, you know, Morelia and other pythons and stuff like that. But, you know, you're sort of like the one guy and he's, you know, the guy that sort of like started this and he's like, Oh, everybody says my article is shit because that's not how you breed them anymore. You know? <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, man, but I want to talk to you about your, like, what was it like? Yeah. Then? You know, like I can <laughs> like, look up all the information the... I want that's relevant, but to be that pioneer in a sense, like that's why I love talking. Like I, I talked to Tim Morris on a fairly regular basis on Facebook and stuff. Mm-hmm. And it's awesome. Like he's a super awesome guy and he's super humble. Right. And, like his like going back to the whole credibility thing like his opinion is going to matter more to me than a lot of other people's because it's like he's done it for so long yes you know and so talking to him and like guys like trooper walsh like i feel like that kind of stuff's important because it shows people how easy we have it now a yeah and b like just the level of work and dedication it took for for stuff like that to be the first guy to to figure it out and and make it happen so that we have what we have now. Yeah. I kind of feel lucky that, um, I came up in the hobby when I did, you know, I, I sort of look at my phases through the hobby as sort of two phases, you know, when I was a kid up until I was about 15 and then I kind of got out of it until I like got my own place and, you know, settled down and blah, blah, blah. You know, then I got one snake and you know how that goes. Mm -hmm. Um, but like the, the, the difference between when I was in it when I was a kid and when I got out of it and then came back in was like night and day. And that, and then like we, we kept in fish tanks and like, you know, you had like a, maybe a bulb, you know, like yeah. it was, I, you know, it wasn't, and, and somehow they survived and bred and, you know, and I don't know, it was just a different, 
it just was it just was different and i was glad i got to experience that you know you were talking about how sort of like things may be imprinted in you i remember when i was a kid i was walking through martin's aquarium and um we were lucky enough that that's like right in our backyard and that's you know in the lizard king and all that stuff um and when you went i was going in there i walked through the the uh the reptile aisle they had like this aisle where you would walk there and they had these uh Burmese python eggs inside the cage of the Burmese python. And they were kind of like under the heat lamp, so to speak, mm-hmm. you know, like right there, just incubated in it. And I'm watching it hatch out. Well, whew, that was it, man. I was hooked. You know, seeing that little head pop out of that egg of that Burmese python, I was like, Dad, I want that. <laughs> yeah. And Nipper bust my balls because he's like, oh, yeah, you know, like uh, responsible parents just like, sure, let's buy it. Burmese yeah. python, no big deal. Um, but I don't know. It, it, he was a test you know, tube baby. What does he know? <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, it just made such an impact. I think that's why I love Python so much, you know, why mm-hmm. I didn't go. Like, I always wonder, like, what makes this person love boas and what makes this person yeah. love pythons and what makes this person love colubrids and this one love lizards? Like, what is that that you're drawn to that, you know? Yeah, I mean, I remember getting my first carpet and – I remember seeing my first carpet. Well, mm-hmm. so like early 2000s, that was when my dad was breeding corn snakes. I like to say me and my dad were breeding corn snakes, but I was kind of just there enjoying the fun part while he did all the work. <clears throat> right. But I remember there was a guy we we bought corn snakes from on a regular basis, and he had a carpet. It was like a coastal cross or something. But I remember seeing that thing in that cage, and it was you could tell it was hungry. Like I remember this very vividly. Uh, you know, it was doing the sort of the classic like face down ready mm-hmm. to go kind of thing. And I remember, you know, asking my dad, asked the guy about it. And he's like, Oh yeah. He's like, that thing's really mean. And so I remember, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so I remember kind of, as I saw carpet pythons and books and stuff, I was like, I just remember like, Oh yeah, that's really mean. And but then I remember going to, so Alan Bosch, who was a big ball Python guy at one point, he had a, a table at a flea market up in Charleston. Mm-hmm. And I remember going there and he had a little baby carpet in a, in a deli cup for sale. And I remember seeing that thing, and I was like, that is, like, the coolest looking snake I've seen. And I just, it stuck with me. Wow. I did more research, and I did more reading and stuff like that. And I used to just drool over pictures of, you know, in some of the books I had about carpets. And I was like, man, I want some. And finally, I got one. And I think that's, it's one of those things where whatever you get hooked on sort of early on is is what you sort of tend to gravitate to. And I think, you know, I maybe I would have been into ball pythons if I had experienced those early on. I don't know. I mean, I think it's one of those things where it's like, yeah, there's a, there's sort of a nostalgia factor to it. What's so funny to me about ball pythons is, so here's my perspective about ball pythons. When I was a kid, ball pythons were not a thing, you know? Like, right. they, they weren't popular, mm-hmm. and if you got them, they were wild caught and, you know, hard to eat, hard to get eaten, all that stuff. Um, and that was the snake I wanted. Because I couldn't have it, mm-hmm. you know, and it was just a normal ball python. I remember the local pet shop to me, they had one and they had it on display. And I would ask the guy every time, like, hey, man, is that thing ever going to be for sale? No, <laughs> you know, it'd be like, oh, man. And that just makes you want it more. But I don't know. I don't know what it was that I didn't go down that route. I, th- I think it was. I hate to say this because I'm sort of paint with a broad brush and I don't mean to, but I think at the time when I was getting back into it, it seemed like 
that the people that were into ball pythons at the time seemed to be more focused on making money than they were about geeking out about the snake. Mm -hmm. And like I was always it was weird. It was a weird transition for me because when I was in the hobby before, well, I don't even know if it was a hobby. I don't know what you want to call it. But when we kept snakes before, it was more about like like what you're saying. You learn about the species. Maybe once in a while you'll see it on a nature show and yeah. you get super excited because you're like, oh, my God, they're talking about carpet pythons. I got to watch it. <laughs> you know? Oh, my God, Steve Irwin's holding a carpet yeah. python. Oh, my God. He just got bit in the face by it. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. Or, you know. What is that? Oh, it's Marco Shiner. What's a rough scale python? Rough scale python. You're flipping through your bo- your python mm-hmm. book of the world or whatever. And it's funny. I remember it, like, watching that too. And I was right. Like, I've never yeah. even heard of a rough scale python, but I remember watching it. Right. And then when I saw him for sale, I was like, oh shit, people actually have those. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's it's just uh, it's 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 wild, man. And. You know, it, I feel I think like when I talk to guys like Keith and stuff that 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 have been doing it for a while, I think that's like because you know Keith's like he he's he's from my like my he's in between like me and my dad, you mm-hmm. know, so he's sort of like in that same generation. But you know, he's another guy. He's kept so much his experience, but his passion is animal behavior mm-hmm. and like. I don't know, man. When you're when you're listening to him talk, I don't know if you've ever read his post or anything like yeah, that. Like yeah. when he puts those long posts or whatever. But like when you're having a conversation with him and he's saying, like, I feel like I'm at school, man. Like mm-hmm. I'm just so I'm a sponge. I'm soaking up as much as I possibly can from him because, like, he's another one. He's a super humble guy, yeah. nicest guy. But holy shit, does that guy know? like snake behavior and oh man it's just wild see that's for me like that humility and that sort of humble attitude means a lot when it comes to like the people i look up to i feel like i'm i'm of the opinion that like you can know everything in the world but if you're an asshole i really don't want to do anything with you or no like right (laughs) i don't want to deal with you yeah right uh and so you guys like guys like rob and and you know harlan and stuff like that and yourself and it's like, it's awesome that because I this is a this is a, a hobby slash industry where like your heroes are all at arm's reach. Yeah. Like if I want to talk to Harlan, all I have to do is right. call him. <laughs> right. Like if I want to talk to Rob, all I have to do is message him. Right. It's like what? How many other hobbies and industries can you think of that you can do that? No, if you, you know? think about music, like if you're, right. you know, you know. You wouldn't be able to just call like, you know, I want to check with Eric Clapton today. Hey, Eric, what's going on? (laughs) Nope. (laughs) You know? Yeah. Um, But yeah, man, it's, it's, it's pretty cool. It's, I don't know about you, but like that, like some of those people, I was super nervous to uh, like Craig. I was nervous when we did that show, you know, I'm like, oh man, I'm going to totally botch this episode. (laughs) It's just going to be a train wreck. But uh like when we turned had, out to be pretty yeah, good. You when know, we but... had Jack Vicente on, it was that way. I told Jake before the episode, I was like, "No, no fuckery this episode, okay?" He's <laughs> like, "Be cool." You got to do that too. Yeah, I was like, "Be cool, dude." <laughs> got to rain like, in the co-host. Is, I was like, "This is a big deal. This is a white whale." <laughs> Chill. Oh, that's funny. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I've had those conversations. Don't screw this Owen. up. Yeah, Owen, be good, Owen. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> Yeah, so it's just guys uh, like that, like that I have just crazy amounts of respect for. I'm like Jake, don't say anything stupid. 
Don't, don't make us look dumb. Yeah, it's it's it's, and then when you start talking to him, you're like, oh, yeah. he's just a normal guy, you know? Yeah. It's like, oh, okay, all right. Well, like all the right, first cool. time I met Tim Morris, that was before Daytona last year. Right, it's the blue Condro guy. I mean, well, come on, you it's know? Funny, it's funny, like, like, so I stayed at P and Cody's that Thursday or whatever day it was before Daytona because they had a little pre-Daytona thing. So maybe it was actually Wednesday night I left because I got off work at like seven or eight and I I drove down there right. that night. Like it's only like a four-hour drive. So I got there at like 11 and I, I walk into P and Cody's and they were like, oh yeah, they're like, this is James Oakdown, Tim Morris. And I was like, wait, what? <laughs> like I wasn't expecting that at all. <laughs> and I was like, wait, like Tim Morris, like Tim Morris, Tim Morris. And they're right. like, yeah. It's like Jesus. It's like this is this is gonna be awkward now. Yeah. And so the next morning Mr. we're Mars. sitting around. Yeah, we're sitting around like drinking coffee and stuff. And I was like, hey, I was like Tim, you know, what have, what are you producing this year? He's like, I haven't bred condors in like ten years. I was like, fuck. Isn't that crazy? I'll just go fuck myself. <laughs> felt real dumb. And I was like, oh okay. Right. Because it's one. It's just one of those guys where like you see the name on lineages all the time, but you don't know anything about them. Like right. For all you know, they don't even exist. But, you know, as yeah. it turns out, he's he's like one of the nicest guys in the world. And then James Opdahl, if you haven't talked to him, he's hilarious. And them together, is, they're, they're a trip, man. It was great. Really? And, you know, James awesome. is another one. He's super, super humble. He produced some of the nicest conjures in the world. And he's just, he's super laid back. And he's hilarious. Yeah, I mean, yeah, at the end of the day, I mean, you know, what are we doing that's so special that really yeah, yeah. makes us have to have egos and stuff like that? You know, I mean, we're not... <laughs> And not that's saving the planet or anything. That's like why that. when I or, see you know. people who have egos, I'm like, buddy, we're keeping snakes in boxes. Yep. Like, get real. I kind of feel that way with uh, with uh, Derek Roddy, right? right. Um, because you know, we're. I knew him. I've known him since like Reptile Radio, and we've been going back and forth talking about Australian pythons and mm-hmm. stuff like that. I'm talking to him on the phone, and like. Then I see he tries out for like I'm watching a Dream Theater video and yeah. he's like trying out to be their drummer and I'm like wait what yeah see that <laughs> like, oh, I knew wait. him as far as because I'm I mean I'm a drummer and I remember right. seeing him in Modern Drummer and Drum Magazine so my familiarity with him was drums before I realized he even did Snakes yeah which I mean so, I'm, yeah. I've never been a big death metal guy but I know like I've seen him play. And dude's insane. And so then when I saw he yeah, kept snakes, and like, you can add him on Facebook, and he's like right there, and he's also like a super chill guy. Yeah, man. It's like what? He's talking. Yeah, yeah. He hit me up the other day. He was looking for a picture of. Uh, he's yeah. And again, this is the kind of guy he is, right? You know. And this is sort of like you know why I like. I think I give away more snakes than I sell. But, <laughs> um, you know, I, I bought some, uh, I don't even know what I bought. I thought I bought those uh, New Guinea carpets that he has, right? Mm-hmm. I bought like four of them, right? 2.2, 2, something like that. Like the Novas or he, something else? No, no, no. The, the ones that he, so yeah, it's that other line, the other one that he has. Okay. We call them NGs or whatever, but um, they're actually pretty cool. I think they're Cape York stuff, like up in that area, but mm-hmm. that's for another story. Anyway, um, I you know, I bought them from him, whatever. He's like, hey, man, um if I throw something extra in the box, you think that, you know, would that be cool? I'm like, sure. (laughs) I mean, I'm not going to tell you no, but yeah, sure. Why not? And, uh, he's like, okay, I think, I think you'll dig this, man. I'm like, okay. It's a fucking blackhead. 
What? <laughs> you know? And it's like, he's like, ah, yeah, yeah, this one was a trouble feeder. His name's Merlin. He's like, you know, I, I'm sending them up to you, you know, enjoy them. And uh, I was like, God, dude, when the blackhead came out of the, can you imagine like opening up the box and you're like, oh yeah, cool carpet. Oh, it's freaking awesome. It's awesome. What's in this bag? Yeah. Al pops a blackhead. You're like, oh my God. <laughs> yeah, but what a cool guy. Mm -hmm. I mean, he didn't have to do that, you know, and who am I? I'm not anybody like, you know, it just, we hit it off. We're talking music. We're talking snakes. And he's just a super chill guy. Anyway, he contacted me the other day. He's like, what's up, brother? Uh, you got a picture of Merlin from before or whatever. And yeah. I probably could dig one up somewhere, you know, but like, and you think about it and you're like, holy shit, this is Derek Roddy texting right. me, yeah. <laughs> you know, like this is wild. <laughs> I got to take a step back for a second. But yeah, I mean, like the Tim Morris cool thing, thing about it's, the hobby. It's funny. Like I said, you see his name on lineage and stuff, and he's like one of the original guys. Yeah. And so I guess because of that, we sort of get this this preconceived notion that they're like they're aware of how important they are in in things. And then you come to meet him, and Tim's like, "Yeah, I mean, I kind of I kind of made the first blue one, but it wasn't just <laughs> me." Right. You know, I just happened to get the right animals. And it's, I, I don't know, I love that. And I hope that as I get older that I end up being that same way. I mean, I, I like to think that I'm, I'll am i never be a conceited douchebag. And yeah. I, I told Jake and Billy, I was like, if I ever get to that point, you have my permission to kick me in the balls. Yeah. Me and Owen try to keep each other that way, you know? Like, Rob too. Like, I'll bounce something off Rob and he'll be like, Dude, you're being a dick. I'm like, <laughs> okay. <laughs> you're right. <laughs> you know? Or he'll say to me, like, he's like, can you, uh, you know, can you believe blah, 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 blah? And I'm like, yeah, dude, chill out a bit. You know, it's not that deep. And he's like, yeah, you're right. <laughs> yeah. No. No, um, that's, Billy plays that role for me a lot more than, than Jake does. Billy has to talk me off the ledge on a lot of things, like ideas yeah. and whatnot. Where I'm like, dude, we need to do this. He's like, no, we don't. I'm like, okay. <laughs> Yeah, you're yeah, you're a lot like me. Like, oh, I got this. I was thinking the other day. I got this great idea for this new thing. Like, come on, man. You'd be like, no. Yeah, it's almost <laughs> no, always. I message him and I'm like, dude, I was just in the shower and I had this idea. And he's like, no. Right. <laughs> that's my think tank. Right. That's when yeah, the that's when the network that. idea hit me when I was in the shower and I was like, why don't I just put them all in one? Yeah. I was going to do that same thing, but then I realized that um, I, I, I subscribe to this different thing and it kind of, you can have one state, like one, I think it's actually made probably for an actual network where your feeds are separate, but mm -hmm. your, your platform is all the same, which is great. Yeah. I so. just, I was paying for like three sound clouds. Yeah. I'm like, why am I doing this? Right. Like. It's expensive, man. Well, that people don't understand that. That too, and then it was like people now, if they want to follow it, they have to follow it separately from everything else. And so I was like, why don't I just put this all in one place? And so it's it's yeah. all in one area for people to find. And you know, the other the other probably good thing about that is it seems like you're constantly putting out content, even if it's not the same, right? And it and it mixes it up, you know. So if like. You know, somebody's not into, you know, NPR or the Chondro kit, whatever, you know, mm -hmm. and they're like, oh, but I, I really dig snakes and stogies or, you know, whatever the case would be. 
Yeah, that's it's funny that. how that's that's changed. It was originally just like I liked it because it was like the most the least involved thing that I had to do. <laughs> I was like, this is great. I just smoke a cigar. Right. I just hit the hit the, the the go live button, and I don't have to worry about nothing. I don't have to worry about audio files. I don't have to worry about graphics. I don't have to do none of that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But I mean, That's it's the, uh... it's weird that you can have sort of multiple shows like that, and they have like their different feel. Like the Condrocast, I feel like I'm I'm a million times more awkward, and and I struggle more. Because it's usually just me and maybe David Brahms. But it's just, it's so weird not having Jake yeah. and not having Phil to like fill in the, the gaps. And, yes. But then like Snakes and Stogies, I feel like is way more casual than this is. And I feel like this is already really casual. Right. Like I feel like I can sort of, I can sort of kick back a little more on Snakes and Stogies than I can here, depending on who's on. Uh, right. Like on this. Um, I don't know. It's just, it's strange. Like yeah, each one weird. has their own feel. Yeah, you get so used to that when we when we were when we were recording Student of the Serpent, right? I'm listening to it back and I'm I'm like it's just me screwing it up every <laughs> 5 minutes and I'm just like I I'm, I'm like Rob, really I'm not this bad. Like he's like I know, man, this you're frustrating. Cool. You're cool. I'm I'm like, yeah, but like you don't understand, man. And he's like it's not what you're used to. And I'm like, yeah, I know, but like I should I mean, I've been doing this for 10 years. Yeah. I should be able to do this, you know? Yeah, that's my frustration with the Condrocast. It's like, why is it this difficult? Yeah. Just THP is yeah. a breeze. Snakes and Stogies is a breeze. Like, I don't even have to, I don't think about it. Like, but for whatever reason, Condrocast is, and maybe it's because I have, like, bigger names and people that I find to be, like, the white whales. And I'm like, oh, my God, don't screw this up. <laughs> you know, like, like, on Wayne's World, when it's just Garth, like, Wayne quits the show and Garth is just sitting there on the sofa. <laughs> Yeah. I'm having a good time. <laughs> yeah, man. There's just a certain dynamic that you get, you know. I knew it as soon as I talked to Owen. I was like, okay, this is the guy. You know, <laughs> I just, I don't know if you knew that when you were talking to Jake, but like as soon as Owen contacted me and I'm, I'm, I'm talking to him, I'm just like, oh yeah, this is this is the guy. This I is think I found out when we did that podcast episode with James and them. Like there uh-huh. was a point where Jake almost didn't do it. Where Jake, oh, really? Jake contemplated saying, like, no. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He did say Which that. I didn't know that until that episode. Yeah. Because, I mean, I, I mean, neither of us knew what we were doing. I just knew what right. I wanted to do, but I was like, I've never done it. We may not be any good at it. But it's just over time. I don't know. It just And that's, there's a lot of, like, uh, there's a couple of amphibian podcasts now coming out. Uh-huh. Um, one of them was, like, a direct result of me saying, if someone doesn't there's start no- an amphibian podcast, I'm going to. Right. And they're like, they're like messaging me. It's funny. They're getting started. They're like, man, is it? They're like, this is this is hard. Like, this is nerve wracking. I'm like, yeah. it, it literally gets easier as you go. Because it was the same thing yeah, for me and Jake. It was super awkward. And then over time, it's like you kind of get loose. You kind of get used to it. You know. Yeah. Yeah. You learn each other, and you know, and it's hard too because you're not seeing it. Like, well, maybe you guys are now, but I would imagine in the beginning you weren't. You know. Um, you know, and never saw each other. So, like, learning to, you know, your stops and starts yeah. and, you know, when, you know, not that you're talking over the, you know what I mean? Like, all mm. those little things. You listen to our first episodes and, you know, 
I remember hanging up the phone to the one where I interviewed Owen. It was like, I think it was the second episode. And he's like, dude, that was horrible. <laughs> yeah. He's I, like, we have no rhythm. You know, <laughs> we were talking over each other. Yeah. We're like, what's going on? We got to figure this out, you know? Yeah. So, We've had some God, episodes that were that were absolute train wrecks, in my opinion. Like they were still good, I guess. But like the episode we did with Joe and Melissa, pretty early on, like that's one of the ones that comes to mind where I'm like, man, if I could go back in a time machine and redo any episode, it would probably be that one. And it wasn't because of Joe and Melissa; it was just because like I think alcohol was involved and it just got off the rails right, a little bit. Uh, yeah. And it was just. And then sometimes I go back and listen to some of the stuff that we did, like the little little bits, little int- mini intros before like the the main intro, and I'm like, Jesus! I was like, what? <laughs> Why would we do that? Uh, yeah. And like that the episode with David Means is like the one that comes to mind the most. Like, I don't even remember what Jake was saying, but I just remember thinking, like, man, if I was David Means, I would not want to share this if that's the first like thirty seconds of this show. Right. <laughs> God. Like, Damn it. It's <laughs> um, good stuff. Yeah, it's just Ugh. But I mean it is what it is. I'm one of the, I don't I don't know about you, but I mean I look at like statistics and stuff, but as far as like comments and ratings and stuff, I don't I don't pay any attention to it. Nah, I follow the Rogan philosophy, you know. You just don't look at it. <laughs> I I mean I'll look and make sure that, you know, this I'll look to see like what topics may get more people listening, mm-hmm. so to speak. But, you know, or like, uh, like after the Craig show, I was like, hmm, I wonder how many people are going to take to this because, and, you know, surprisingly, the feedback was just incredible, mm-hmm. you know? And no one's like, of course, it's the one that I'm not on. Yeah. It's like, I asked you if you wanted <laughs> to be on it. You said you didn't want to. You couldn't. Oh, God damn it. <laughs> yeah, there was uh, a few that Jake missed out on. And he's like, when did we have them on? I was like, you weren't there. I was like, oh. Yeah. Okay. But, I mean, I mean I'm, my policy has been, like, no one's forced to listen to any of this. No. Same with yeah. the magazine. Like, anytime we have some sort of gripe about the magazine, Billy reminds me, he's like, dude, it's a free magazine. Right. I was like, yeah. You're right. Yeah. We owe you nothing. Yeah. Yeah. You know. But we're just trying to share the yeah. passion we have, and you know, and if you like it, cool. If you don't, cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah like, whatever. whatever. There's plenty of other podcasts now, right? That you can. I know, especially to. now. Back then, they had no choice; they had to listen to us. <laughs> there was nobody else, you know. It was just like, oh, I guess we're listening to these two idiots. You will again. listen <laughs> to every damn word I have to say. <laughs> yeah, you don't have a choice. Who else you gonna listen to? Right. Well, but because what would happen back then? I don't know. It would be like you know everybody would be everybody would get the they would see either, you know us doing it and they would be like, oh, we're gonna do that, and it would come strong, you know, you know, and then nothing. Yeah. <laughs> do like ten episodes and then gone. You know. Do you guys ever have a point where you like ruffled a lot of feathers? Like one of y'all said something on a show and everyone was like, "Did you hear what they said on NPR?" Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I've had that quite a few times. I think in, there was like a time where I was like just mad at the hobby and how people were acting. <laughs> I like, hate all of you people. <laughs> you know, and I would just, yeah, I was like, you know, and 
Owen's the type of guy he's just gonna say how he thinks mm -hmm. and he doesn't give a shit like what you think and like you know that's that's the perfect because I do you know like in my head even though I, I I may act like I don't I do and like he's like I don't give a shit yeah who cares <laughs> I'm like yeah but dude you don't understand who cares man <laughs> screw them <laughs> I'm like okay yeah I mean to but, me like I, I kind of I'm the same way and I mean Jake's not like that either where he's just gonna like blurt out whatever comes to mind you know if, like anyone in particular about a particular subject or something but i don't know i don't i don't want to be the guy that's just calling people out and as much as i sometimes want to yeah i, I just i don't i don't feel like the, i don't it's not my responsibility like i can have my opinions about people they don't have to know it same thing with politics like i, I have my uh, my yeah. opinion about politics i don't have any desire to bring them here Right. Yeah, absolutely. hundred percent. You know, it's, it's, it's like the, I think, I think what helped me with that is listening to other people's podcasts. Mm -hmm. And I'm, I'm talking about like, this is early days. Right. So I would come on and it would be like, I don't know. I, there was just like this period where it was just like, there was such hostility, craziness. I don't know what, it, I think it was because, you know, morphs are worth money now. Now all of a sudden everybody's like at each other's throat mm -hmm. screw this guy and screw that one. Blah, 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 blah. Everybody's fighting with each other. And I was listening to, I don't even know what it was. The podcast isn't around anymore, but I'm listening to it. I'm like, God damn, all these guys do is bitch. Like, yeah. Shut up. Yeah. And then I'm like, I asked, I was talking to Rob and I was like, Rob, I think I'm going to change. Like, I'm not going to focus on negativity anymore. Mm -hmm. Like, which is very hard to do. do shit. Yeah. It's very yeah. hard. I mean, yeah. I've, I've talked about it before. Like, I don't even remember who it was we had on, but I was like, my, my first question I think was like, how do you, how do you stop being so cynical? Cause I right. struggle with it a lot. Right. Yeah. Not that I try to appear to be like this ray of sunshine or anything like that, or, you know, be a different person on camera on on audio than I am in real life but like I, I feel like I do hold a lot back in terms of like opinions about what people do and I do like too that. and I think I think what got me through that is it's like this is how I focus it's like and the other thing that I hear I don't hear it so much anymore but I heard it a lot in the early days is like people would just talk like uh Sean Bradley was the absolute worst when it came to this. And I've told him this, so it's not like I'm calling him out. <laughs> but like, Yeah, so as we just talk about not talking about. But like he would just talk over the guest. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, look, man, you got unsaid. I'm just I'm letting you know as a listener, right? You have enough knowledge that you could do a podcast by yourself and it would be good. Right. Like you don't need anybody else. You can talk about the ball pipe that you've been through the, you know, the when it up and came and the industry was nothing to what it is, you know, to where it's at today. You've dealt with all these different things. Don't get a guest because every time they try to talk about something, you just talk right over them. And so my mindset is, is that when the people are coming on the show, they want to hear the person that's on the show, not me. Mm -hmm. So. If you have that in the back of your mind, that just puts me on that path. Like if 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 we're having a conversation about something, then that's one thing. But I'm not going to be like, uh, I don't even know what the example would be. But like, if they're like, um, well, yeah, you know, um, I bred these, and oh yeah, I bred them too. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know what yeah. I mean? Like that kind of thing. Like 
it's like you're you're trying to not let the spotlight be like yeah like on one up on one on everything right yeah so that's why we did the one-on-one episodes sort of like what you know you guys do too mm-hmm. it's like then you you can get that out you know right and i mean the only reason we even do those listen. the only reason we do those is just because we had people who were like yeah i actually really like those episodes we're like what yeah us too it's weird why <laughs> God. like why why do you want to hear us talk i don't know i do like them though because it is sort of like not having to really prep anything as far as outlines. Like, I'll just be like, Jake, let's talk about this, this, and this. You know, I think it's, it's probably relaxed. why people like episodes like that is because it's most realistic to what they would talk about with their friend that's into reptiles. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's like, it's like almost like they have a little like window into somebody's conversation. And I feel like I feel like I am like friends with Joe Rogan because I listen to his podcast for like, you know, he's like three hour podcast, three weeks, like nine hours a week. I'm listening to him as I'm driving around and stuff. So it's like I feel like I'm part of those conversations. I guess I'm answering in my head like, oh, that's crazy, Joe. What are you talking about? Or whoever he's talking to, you know, he's the gold standard, man. Yeah. (laughs) I listened to his episode with Ron White this morning, actually. Yeah, I didn't listen to it yet, but yeah, I'm sure it's great. No. I always like to look at YouTube because they take little clips and they'll say like he was talking about UFOs or something mm-hmm. like that, so it's like, "Oh, okay." <laughs> well, I was actually like they they posted the video on Spotify too. So like while you have really? it playing, yeah, you can watch the episode while you're listening to it. No shit. Which I guess I'm assuming they only did that for him. Probably. Cuz I haven't seen that with anything else. And I mean, given the amount of money <laughs> that he just got with them, I'm sure he was like, yeah, we can do it, but you're going to be playing the video, too. Right. Which I do find myself watching it more than I do listen to it most of the time. Right. I don't know why, but I don't know. Hmm. But going back to the whole credibility thing, because we Mm -hmm. sidetracked, and that's something I want to pick your brain about. Like, In your opinion, what gives someone credibility in the hobby? Because, I mean, there are guys that haven't bred stuff, but they've also done the research and they've, you know, it's a species they're obsessed with. You know, stuff like Bo Ellens, I guess, like Ari. You know, does he not have credibility because he's never bred Bo Ellens? I don't think so. Well, to me, he has huge credibility. Exactly. He's going like, to, he's, you know. He's done things. And I don't, like, that's, that threshold, I think, for everyone is going to be different. I think credibility comes with what are you doing to make the hobby better? I mean, you could be starting something like U.S. Arc and have credibility. Mm-hmm. You could make a better reptile show and have credibility. You could make a better reptile product and have credibility. You could be a field herper and you're sharing information like Ari to keepers to give a window into species that they never would be. They never have the chance to be able to go to Papua New Guinea and climb the mountains to see a Bolins in the wild, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so to me, that I mean, yeah, ultimately, I think it comes down to, like, what are you doing to make the hobby better? Like, we can sit here and bitch about what people are doing bad, but what are you doing to be good? To right. me, that's the people I want to surround myself with. Yeah. And that, to me, is where credibility comes. Not because you bred some rare snake. I mean, that's great. I'm not taking away that. Or you made some 15-gene combo, whatever. Um, yeah, sure, that's awesome. But, you know, I don't know. To me, it's about what are you doing to make the hobby better? 
And I guess like the thing with the like the whole credibility thing for me, like I question it when you have someone who's who's had little experience, but they're giving advice on how yes. to do things they haven't done. Yes. Like yeah, someone who's 100%. never who's never bred Boyga or Condros telling other people how they should do it and they're just regurgitating information you could find online. Like that doesn't hold a lot of a lot of water with me. It doesn't hold Yeah, I'm with you there. It's you know I think sometimes too it's sort of like uh um those situations where you um like a big thing for me was, you know, people talking about pure carpets or carpet pythons, what they look like. And like our idea of what this thing looks like is totally not what they look like in the what. Like you, you're, you think you're, you're, I think sometimes this is where I get frustrated with diamond python mm -hmm. people like that crowd is that they talk about purity and like they have these very specific looks and if it has a little bit of yellow, it's, you know, this line. And if it's too much white, it's that line. And, like, they'll immediately look at something and, and they'll be like, no, that's not that. And you're like, oh, okay. But, <laughs> like, they've, <laughs> they, they haven't been to Australia. And how do you know? <laughs> like, yeah. you know, I don't know. Like, what, because you're you looked at, you know, I don't know, 50 different diamond python somehow you're an expert on them i don't know and, and i think it's too how you come across it's, it's like you were saying earlier like if you come across like this arrogant asshole that thinks they know everything well people aren't going to accept your what you're saying to them at face value mm -hmm. i guess you know they're going to be like this guy legit like well, i don't know but <clears throat> yeah uh, I, don't, I mean like a good example of that you like robert worrell uh-huh. In Condros. Right. You know, in the Condro world, he says a lot of things that a lot of people don't agree with. You know, right. like females need to be, you know, breeding 5,000 gram females. Right. Like, he could be completely right. But because could of be. the way he goes about it, no one, like, wants to listen to it. Right. Now, you know? see, I had the opposite experience with Condros. I had the experience where everybody was saying they had to be, like, 3,000 grams and there are 300 grams in the wild. So, like, I'm not saying right. that, like, just because they're in the wild, but you wouldn't do that with a children's python. You wouldn't be like, oh, yeah, got to get this thing up to be about 5,000 grams. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like, you, so why is it with this one you, you're doing that? Well, that's and that's the and, frustrating part of it is, like, some of these some guys can have be a wealth of knowledge. Like they've been in it a right. long time and they know what they're talking about. It's just the way they present it to everybody and the first person like the first person that sort of questions it, they get super defensive and it's like it's kinda of hard to have a conversation where people are like, Okay, yeah, after you've explained that that makes a little that makes sense. Yes. You know, when yeah. you're automatically defensive and yeah, automatically like, I, Why are you questioning this? That's when people are like, Wait a second, dude, like it's just a question. It wasn't a jab. And that's I mean, that's part of the internet and not being able to get context as far as conversation yeah. and stuff like that but yeah that's a, that's a huge huge problem especially in well just in general with life you know yeah um people are so 
I guess they automatically think like every, I don't know if it's because everybody's you know always on edge or whatever it is, but like you put the the context when you're reading it how you think they're saying it, and like mm-hmm. that's why I'm so I'm that's why I, I'm you know like I said before I followed your lead and just sort of stay off of Facebook and as much as I can like I don't even really post anymore, so yep. it's almost like I feel like you know how they talk about like I've talked about it I'm sure you guys have talked about it where you have these people that have crazy amount of knowledge, but they don't share it mm-hmm. because they just don't want to be put into that. They don't want to have to defend something that has been working for them. You know? Yeah. And I mean, I can't blame I them for you... that, but I think you also, you can circumvent that by putting out content in a passive way like this or a video yeah. or like, it doesn't have to be live in front of everybody. Like it can be something where you're like, this is just how I do things. I think it's always a struggle with the passing of the guard, you know? I mean, like, Mm -hmm. if you've sort of been doing this for a while and then here comes this, you know, this new kid and now they're going to tell you, and you're like, what? (laughs) You know, like, what are you talking about? Yeah. And I think the the positive about that is that, you know, like, I think about when everybody was, it seems to have sort of died down, but the whole naturalistic versus tub Mm -hmm. debate that Mm -hmm. has been done to death, like i'm sorry i can see i can see both sides to that and i can agree and disagree with both sides of that um and I, if you listen back to early days of npr i would say all the time that like the reason that you're putting it in that special cage with the glass front and this you know the special sticks and the leaves and all that stuff is because you want to look at it <laughs> it does it's don't like I think people often say, well, I'm somehow doing this better mm-hmm. for the snake. And it's like, nah. I bet you your real justification for doing it that way is because you want to stare at it. And there's nothing wrong with that. That's actually good, you know. But and then somehow they become better than the person that's keeping it in a more sterile type yeah. of enclosure. Yeah. And on the flip side of that, the people that are keeping it in a sterile enclosure should be a little more open-minded mm-hmm. that new people are coming along with different ideas and they're saying, you know, well, I know you've done it this way, but look what I've been doing and look how cool this is, Yeah, you know? And it's, it's always like we even do it. This is why I don't like, I try not to poo poo ball pythons anymore. Mm-hmm. And that was another change that I had. It's like, I have to somehow make my, snake that i like be better because i'm making your snake worse why can't just i make my snake better like why can't i just be happy with the fact that i think my snake is the coolest snake you know they're i mean they're an easy target yeah they've become it's true true. i mean they become the the butt of a lot of jokes and it's but you know what i'm saying like whatever i mean it's a snake still it's still cool I mean, I, I yeah, couldn't tell like, you anything about any of the genetics of them, but, I mean, it's it's a snake. It's neat. I don't have any problems with it. Yeah, but it would be like if like if I'm getting on and I'm talking about carpets, I, I can't just say, you know, oh, my God, IJ carpets are the best, and this is why I love them, and, the, you know, they, they do this, this cool, and this, and da-da-da-da-da, and whatever, you know? It would be like 
you know, if you want to follow what other people are doing, you can follow ball pythons. Yeah. Kind of like <laughs> this fucking sucky snake that people are, you know, and people are douchebags and blah, 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 blah. And it's like, and, you know, you could just check out what I'm doing over here because what I'm doing is really cool. These are the IJs. Like, it's, I don't know. The approach to me would be better just as, like, if everybody just sort of, like, worked with what they loved and talked about what they loved. Mm hmm. I think that it would be a better hobby. Absolutely. You know? And I think that, damn, man, you know it. We were talking about it earlier. Like when you're talking to somebody and they're excited about the species that they're working with, I don't give a shit if I work with it or if I ever plan on working with it. But I get excited just because I'm talking to them. You mm -hmm. know? And you get pumped up. And uh, you can always learn something from them. I mean, I mean, Keith talks all the time about birds. And like when he first started talking about birds, he's like, you know, because he used to keep like pheasants and stuff like yeah. that and breed them and everything. And he would say about like, oh, okay, well, like, you know, this certain species, you can only get it to breed when you do this, this, and this. And like, you know, I wonder, he would then take that information and then apply it to, you know, Boland's pythons or whatever he's working with. And, you know, when you, when you can, when you can, take something from somebody that's giving you information and, and try to apply it to what you're doing to me, you know, that's a win-win for both sides, you know? Yeah. I, I mean, that goes right back to what you're talking about at the very beginning too, with, you know, people being afraid to take risks and experiment. And I think a yeah. large part of that is just people being afraid of them failing and then everyone finding out that they failed. Yeah. Like you had a snake die because you tried something and it didn't work out well, which I mean that does suck. That's I don't sure. want to do anything that's that's going to potentially kill my animal. So I mean it's like experiment yeah. and yeah. and test things out within reason. But at the yeah, same time I'm not absolutely. if something happens to my animal, I'm not afraid to like own up to it. I'd rather someone learn from the mistakes I've made. Like it's too late for me, you can still save yourself. Right, uh, like conjures especially. You know, I people message me all the time with with conjure problems, and it's like, I had a guy, he Instagram, he uh, called me on Instagram. He had a, a conjure with a prolapse. Right, and I was like, well, here's what I did, you know, and it worked. Uh, nice. know, I gave him my advice. I said, like, just keep doing this, keep an eye on it. If it's still there in the morning, you know, get her to a vet or whatever. And it's just like I want someone to 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 be able to learn from my my mishaps yeah i it's weird that we don't share you have you'll see people every once in a while share their failures but you know I, and i think sometimes that's that paints a bad picture i i think this has to go back to the whole like what makes people credible is like when you see I, I think this is even just in life like when you're looking at somebody on instagram and you're seeing like, you know, oh, two o'clock in the afternoon, they're getting coffee at Starbucks and then they're like driving with their top down and, the, you know, their mm -hmm. court and they're, you know, and like, man, they're living the life. And you're just like seeing these tiny little segments of their right, life. And right. it's like, you know, their life is really just as shitty as your life. Yeah. But like they're just, that, they're the late on that portrayed. car payment of that, that top, you know, that convertible they're driving and the, you know, the, right, they right. swipe two other cards that got declined at Starbucks and then finally they got to their one credit card that still had some money on it. Like it is, it's, it's yeah. all facade. So, it's real. I think, I think it's, uh, I think it, you know, like for a new person that's coming into the, to the reptile hobby, they're coming in and 
you know, they're looking at it and they're like, oh my gosh, you know, everybody's always having clutches and they're always successful yeah. and they always hatch out and, you know, nobody ever gets respiratory infections or prolapses or, you know, it's yeah, not but these true. Things happen. <laughs> yeah. And it's, I mean, I think that's also why people sort of jump into like, oh, everyone else is breeding. I'm going to do it too. Yes. Yeah. You know? yeah. It's like, clearly that's the standard. That's what everyone does. Like they breed. And it's hard to even talk about that, really, because, like, I breed. So can I say yeah. to people, oh, yeah, you you shouldn't jump in and just start you breeding right breed. away. I mean, I don't think you should. But how, you know, who am I to say, yeah, you know, don't get four chondros and start breeding them. This is how I, you know, I always try to tie it to, like, me playing guitar, right? Mm-hmm. And, like, when you're, when you're playing guitar, you start out, you're, like, you want to learn to shred. You want to learn to play as fast as you can, yeah. you know, the, the blazing technique. You know, look at me. I'm doing this two-handed tapping stuff and da-da-da-da-da, whatever. And you spend, what, 10% of a song doing that stuff? <laughs> and, like, nobody spends any time, like, learning to lock with the drummer and get into the mm-hmm. into the groove and be able to sit in the pocket and like sometimes playing less is better than playing more, you yeah. know, and like to, to, to figure that out, like nobody works on that. So, but when you perfect that rhythm part, your lead part is going to be just that much better, mm-hmm. you know? So it's sort of like if people just jump into it and breed right from the gate, you never enjoy keeping the snake. Yeah. I think for us, we've kept snakes for so long that like, that's just the natural progression for mm-hmm. us. And then we get on, you know, podcast or YouTube or whatever, and we're sharing that excitement and people want to be a part of it. They mm-hmm. want to be a part of that excitement. So they sort of like, will say, well, they're having fun. So I want to have fun. So I guess I'll breed, but I think they're missing out on that important step of, you know, not to be Enjoy- cheesy, but be a student of the serpent. Enjoying you know? the process. <laughs> like, yeah, right, exactly. Like, don't be excited about the babies you produce. Like, be excited about having babies, watching, like, raising them up, putting all that work into growing them up to be able to breed. You know, yeah. kind of like David Brahms is a good example. You know, his first clutch of chondros, uh, he hatched last year. But he started right. out with neonates, and he raised right. them until they were of age. And so it's like, to me, I like that approach more because when I have those babies – like the sort of the reward in seeing the results of all that work you put in yeah. is so much sweeter and you than just buying two adult green trees and putting them together. Yes. Yes. Yeah. A hundred percent. And so you know, as soon as I hear somebody say the words, do you have an adult female? I'm like, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Let's see. It's September <laughs> and you want an adult female. <laughs> yeah. It's it's the it's enjoying the process as much as enjoying the sort of the the sexy part of it, you know. Yeah, I think overall though it it will make you a better keeper mm-hmm. if you actually keep them and and learn you know like why if you if you go through the whole process and and see what they do and and how they do it, you know. I've been preaching that for a long time too, you know. Like before you breed, make sure you actually enjoy the species before you decide to make more of them. Yeah, I made that mistake a lot, and (laughs) (laughs) I did. And you know, I I, and I finally come to a point where it's like, you know, I I just I'm gonna do this for me. I'm Mm -hmm. not doing this for anybody else but me. Like, I don't give a shit. If you think my stuff is bullshit, 
fine. I don't cool. Care. There's plenty of other people to buy from, <laughs> right? You know, like I mean, if the bear. I don't even thing, enjoy like... selling snakes. I don't know about you, but to me, that's like. I mean, getting the money is good and all, but like, I don't know, man. I'm just so nervous, and you know, uh, like that phone call three months later, like, oh, mm-hmm. what happened? You know, or like, uh, just I don't know. Just you're dealing with people that you don't know. You don't yeah. know, like, yeah. you know. That's I so. tell Cody that all the time. I'm like, I don't know how you sell. I mean, he doesn't sell the like the private sector anymore unless it's somebody he knows. But like right. selling venomous and stuff. I'm like, dude, I would be so paranoid. Yeah. You, don't, you don't know what people do behind closed doors. <laughs> yeah. You don't know what's going on. Right. You don't know what their setup's like. And I mean, you're going to be the guy that asks for pictures of everything, you know, that they have and making sure that they're on the up. I'm like, I'm not, I don't want to do that. Right. I don't want to jump through and those you, hoops. Yeah. I remember that uh, when the fr- when I first met David Means, I was buying a scrub off him, and he, like, he, like, really drilled me. Mm-hmm. Like, really drilled me, you know? And he knew me from the forums, but he's just like, are you sure you're ready for this? You know, this animal is a, is a, is a big undertaking. You do realize what comes along with this, you know? And I hear a lot of people talking about, like, the actual Popwin python. I know Jake is a huge fan of these things, and they're awesome. Mm-hmm. But let me tell you, man. Forget about retics. Forget about scrubs. Those snakes are, like, the the strength that those animals have is intimidating. Like, it is seriously intimidating. That that's an intimidating python. Um, and I'm not even dealing with one that's big. Yeah. <laughs> you know. So I'm like, what am I gonna do when this thing is big? Mm-hmm. You know. But. But yeah, I, I I would be nervous about selling them to people because that's just that's that they're 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 legit, man. They're you know. Yeah. 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 So yeah. like you know, some kid that comes up to you at a reptile show and they're like, "Oh yeah, I want to pop one python." You're just like, sure. Yeah. Okay. Mm. But David Means was like, okay, you know, he just he just grilled me, and I was like, oh, okay, I guess he really really cares about where his animals are going to go mm-hmm. and like realizes that ultimately this might be a bad thing for the hobby if it goes into the wrong hands of the wrong people you know yeah and i guess that's that's healthy to a degree but it can border paranoia because i mean you like i mean once yep. the snake once fedex has a snake there's nothing you can do about it yep you know you can, you don't have control over what other people are going to do when when that snake's in their possession and so, I mean, my yeah. policy is, is, I mean, I don't really have a, a, a terms of sale or anything like that. Cause my terms of sale are the sales are, if there's an issue, let me know and we'll figure it out. Right. You know, like, I, I don't have any control of FedEx if there's delays. Um, you know, I have no problems offering a replacement if something happens to an animal in transit, which hasn't happened yet, but just stuff like that. I mean, you just don't have control over over other people, and you can't really. I've learned. Yeah. I've learned pretty early on to to sort of not worry about that because I mean, there's nothing I can do about it. Right. Yeah. <laughs> you can't drive this snake there. You can't. Nope. Give me that off the plane. Come on. I'm gonna take it myself. <laughs> it's <laughs> like once it's there, it's there. You know. And do like a Dumb and Dumber cross country drive. <laughs> yeah. Right. The Samsonite briefcase. <laughs> Oh man, there you go. <laughs> oh, but we're at two hours, buddy. Yeah. Wow. Went quick. Always it does. does. <laughs> it does. 
It's a time machine. It's like you blink. Yeah. yeah. It's all over. Cool. Yeah. As always, I appreciate you coming on. Yeah, man. Anytime. Um, Anytime. For anyone who, for whatever ungodly reason, wouldn't know where to find you. Where can uh, you reach For me personally, EB Moralia, anything under that, you'll find me. And then, uh, you know, my podcast, Morelia Python Radio. Um, and then we have some more coming out. But if you follow that on Facebook or on Instagram, you'll be able to follow along with what we're doing. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. MoreliaPythonRadio.net is our uh, website. So yeah. Awesome. I appreciate cool. you, man. Yeah, man. Thank you. Have fun in Texas. <laughs> let me let me know what you find, because I'm yes. sure it'll be. A bunch I'll, of stuff I'll send you pictures from the field. <laughs> Don't you just send me some beards and subox when you find them? <laughs> if we find one of them, I'll for sure. Say, I don't care if it's three o'clock in the morning. You're getting a text to say, "Check this out." Man. <laughs> You're like, right. "Fuck you, Burke!" <laughs> <laughs> Damn it! <laughs> no. Right on. All right, man. All right, take it easy. All right, man. See you. Bye. Oh, that was episode 95. Don't close the garage door yet. I'm still recording. All right, go ahead and let it down. That was episode 95 with the podfather, Eric Burke. Uh, once again, special thanks to Steve Snakeshuary and his Venom Hot Sauce and MP Cages and Exotics. Uh, we will catch y'all next week for episode 96. Have a great evening, a great day, great morning, whatever it might be whenever you're listening to this. <laughs>